Hello and welcome to Media Mayor, the show in which we year by year explore the movies, music, and TV that most have our lives. I'm your host, Rod Lloyd, the Mambo King, and I'm joined by... Jess, also known as Vinny Stronghand. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, hello, Kay. <laughs> and uh, if you're new to the show, let us explain. Jess and I, what we do is uh, we have mu- movie episodes, music episodes, TV episodes. This is a movie episode. We're looking at movies of 1995. Yeah. We have looked... At a list of every movie released in the year 1995, and we've decided which ones each of us have watched the most in our lives. Start to finish. We were both children in 1995. I was never a child. I came out this way, much like Thumbelina. (laughs) No. Shout out to our 94 movie episode. Now we're talking about it again this week. No, 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 no. Thumbelina forever. But we we were firmly kids, so we're going to talk about firm kids movies. (laughs) Are they both kids movies? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The most kid movies. That's fair. I feel like the 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 type of kids movies that were made in the nineties, these were these are like, you know, stereotypical of the time. Like these are the quintessential nineties kids movies. I don't know. They fit the type. You know, they fit the mold. Okay, I get that. They're the firmly in the mold. Um, but it is a new year, so I get to ask the question: Where were you in the year nineteen ninety five? I was six, right? Yes. A math. I was. In first grade. First grade? First and second or kindergarten first? First. Kindergarten's five, isn't it? I don't know. Like, Me neither. Well, for, it's different for every, you know, it depends on whether you were born in the beginning of the year or the end of the year, right? That's true. Sorry, I just had a flashback to some bad stuff that happened in the first grade. You get bullied so, in first grade? You said that in our... In I our know life. I did. I was bullied. Oh. It's fine. It's fine. I was having a great time in 1995. Mm. You found comfort in your film of 1995, I hope. <laughs> Sleepovers or... With who? My sisters? sisters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, uh, where was I in 95? I was three. Uh, I was probably, like, in 95, I was probably the last kid to get picked up from daycare. Oh. <laughs> But were you having a tantrum or were you a good three No, I was just sitting there watching. That's I watched, Probably Thomas. I watched so many cartoons and animated movies as a kid because I was at daycare all the time. So, like, you know, the daycare staff, they were like, I want to go home. It's 8 p.m. and Rod's parents aren't here yet. Um, let's just put him in, you know, let's put a movie in front of him. 8 know? p.m. I quit that job. <laughs> she, she didn't. Oh, <laughs> dedicated. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, like, you know, I'm watching... Every animated movie known to man at oh, daycare until cute. my mom picked me up at 8 p.m. <laughs> and yet you had never seen Thumbelina. No. It just nev- it I, never, I guess she didn't have taste. It didn't roll through my uh, my daycare. <laughs> a lot of movies did, but not all of them. Could you imagine if you'd seen every, cart- every animated film ever? You would have done nothing else. Yeah. Sorry. Anyway. I, 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 I got a lot of them. All right? You did get a lot of them. Got Luckily, of them. we don't have to watch all of them. We did. I, almost every year, though, my movie has been an animated feature. That's fair. Uh, and this year is no different. That's true. Um, I've had very little animated features. It's true. Was I ever a child? That's <laughs> really interesting, because I watch a lot of cartoons and anime and animation now, as an adult, I prefer it. It is a happy place. I mean, they definitely still have like some. I mean, some of the cartoons that I watch, though. But you don't rewatch movies. I think that's the. I yeah, I really don't. Especially not as an adult. Whereas this movie, I rewatched within four, like four or five months. You know, the my movie of '95. I, I've seen 
that movie recently before yeah. we even watched it for the show. Yeah, you should why you, you just get on kick sometimes. Yeah. You're like, I don't want to watch that. Disney Plus is there. What am I supposed to do? That's fair. <laughs> just not a Disney kid. <laughs> Uh, like, is there anything else going on in 95? I can't think of any uh, important uh, like news events. Five years away from the t- Y2K. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, like that was a thing like for adults, adults. Like it, it, the, 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 the age of the millennium, you know, like mm. it's coming, right? The new millennium. It, it, fresh start, new start for everybody. And yeah, I, we're all going to grow It, it was like a huge, huge thing that people were counting down to, right? <laughs> so 95 to 2000, that was on a lot of people's minds i that's guess that's very true yeah was there an election in 95 96 ah get there. okay was uh, there an olympic who knows <laughs> we do our research kids <laughs> georgia i don't know <laughs> georgia there was a georgia olympics i can't remember what year oh okay, maybe it's in the okay. 80s i can't remember that's fair We're i wasn't 90s, alive though. you were alive in spirit. i was i was i was not conscious your spirit was floating around the world because you are an old old soul my guy <laughs> Anyway, yeah, we've done enough meandering. Let's jump into Justice Movie of 95. So, released November 17th, 1995, directed by Andy Tennant, starring Christy Alley, Steve Gutenberg, and Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen. We have <laughs> It Takes Two. Wow. There really is two of us. Don't you find this odd? No, this is weird. This is really, really weird. Wait a second. You live at the Callaway house. And you're that girl from camp. They thought I was you. They thought I was you. <laughs> this movie with twins in it. <laughs> twins and hijinks. You, gotta get, you, know, you got two twins in the movie, you got to do a little switcheroo. This is true. Every twin movie has a switcheroo. What about the movie Twins? I've never seen it. I'm sure they did a switcheroo. They look very different. Isn't <laughs> it Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, those aren't the twins we're talking nope, about. No, we're talking about Mary-Kate and Ashley they Olsen. They are also fraternal. They, are, they were mainstays at slumber parties, right, I assume? I don't know. I was bullied. <laughs> oh, Nobody had slumber parties. Why do you keep bringing this up? But you and your... Did you, you watch this movie We, with we your don't sisters? call them slumber parties when you live with... Do we have some Honey... Do we have slumber parties? Don't know. Do we have parties of slumber? You want to go make a tent out of our sheets? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, I I feel like they did some like uh, straight to video things where they like, oh, we're at a sleepover. I definitely have seen people like uh, play those things like back and forth, like a pizza. Um, but I wouldn't know if it was actually watched at sleepovers. I didn't have a sleepover. Where until. where did you watch this movie then? At home alone <laughs> in my shared room, but my sisters wouldn't sit with me. I definitely watched it with my sisters. <laughs> we watched a lot of Mary Kane and Ashley movies. Not a lot of when they were young. I think the only young ones we watched are this one and Double Double. But her I they're older like when they were older, we watched like uh Billboard Dad. Uh we actually had that on not DVD, I think it was VHS, but uh, we got it for Christmas, and we're like, yeah, we love this movie, we popped it in, it was a Spanish version. Oh no. Yeah, so it wasn't a like, oh, you can change the language, because it was a VHS. VHS. Uh, That was fun. Uh, um, And uh, Billboard Dad, uh, something, one about Paris, uh, another one when they were in Australia, I feel like they'd shot a lot of movies just to go on vacation. Uh, I assume that's what their parents used them for. Oh, uh, well. 
you know, I, I, I don't know much about Mary-Kate and Ashley's parents. Uh, I, my notes did not illuminate anything about them. So all I know is that this was a period in their lives that they're done with. <laughs> they're not actresses anymore. <laughs> that's, that's true. I feel like the last time I saw one of them in a movie was Beastly, unless that was their sister. I don't know. They're in fashion now. Yes, and they smoke, are. And they're also into cigarettes. Ew. Yep. This, you, you, that's that's what the fashion and cigarettes. That's that's the Mary Cat Mary Kate and Mary Cat Mary Cat. Um. Yeah. Like I I never watched Mary Kate and Ashley stuff. I think. Uh, my, why? It was like my little sister did. Like she she rented the videotapes and and, and you watched didn't the watch TV. it with her. No. You're a bad brother. This is a f- five years. Bad. Difference. Bad. No. You excuse me. Five years difference. Mister Barney is your show because your little sister watched. At me, come here, cross the table. <laughs> you uh, could have watched that with her. I, I like bits and pieces, bits and pieces, but yeah, no, I I, ne- I definitely didn't watch this movie. Um, I, I'm sure it. I maybe I watched a bit of it on TV or something, but yeah, for me it was just like yeah, Mary Kate and Ashley they exist. We, I watched a lot of Full House. That's fair. With her, we watched Full House, and she was in that. She, L- little Michelle. Little Michelle was two people. <laughs> You got it, dude. You got it. You know what? I also watched them in a show called Full House, which was, you know, fine. That's what we're talking about. Not Full House. I'm sorry. What are you saying? There there was a show that they had when they were like tweens, but it wasn't called Full House. It was another like hand of cards. Two of a kind? I can't remember. (laughs) It wasn't. That's why I said full house again. No, it was like it was another poker hand. I just can't remember what it was because I don't play. Is that a? Isn't that a whole game or is that is that a whole? Yeah, it's it was it was something. It might have been two of. Read them and weep. Should I go? That's a Disney Channel original movie and it does not have them in it. It doesn't matter. Let's talk about it. Takes two. Fine. Okay, so it takes two. Can you tell what is this movie about? Give give us a primer. Oh, even before we get yeah, the before history? I get into the history, give me tell us tell us the basic premise of this movie. Um, this movie is about two young girls who realize they are doppelgangers who happen to be in the same place at the same time for a summer, so they switch places because neither wants to be where they are currently, and then they make a plan to sabotage or and or help the adults in each other's lives. It's pretty good. It's like, have you seen the movie A Parent Trap? No. Either from the seventies or Lindsay Lohan movies from late late nineties, it's that, but with Mary Kate and Ashley, and they're not related. And so (laughs) that was we talked about this. We watched it. It's I'm like it is. It was a very interesting decision to basically make a switcheroo twin movie where the two twins aren't related in any way. Yeah, they're just two in the movie. They're two little girls that just look similar. Yep, that's it. Mm -hmm. But. You know, that, that it's like, it, it's an easy question to ask. It's like, oh, are they long lost siblings? Are they, you know, was one given for adoption and one was kept? What, what's the deal here? No, nope. no one brings it up. Nope. It's just two, Barry Kate and Ashley. They just play two different girls. For, Who happen to look the same. Yep. Uh, but let's, It's the prince and the pauper. It's the it prince is, and the pauper. It is. The, the writer, who I'll get into, uh, was inspired a little bit by the prince and the pauper. Okay. So you want to hear about this? how this movie was made? Yeah. Uh, I did a lot of research, and it's a lot harder. It was a lot harder to like find the specifics on how this movie was made than your normal uh, media-made subject. <laughs> but why poor Kay? It's just like no one talks about this movie. Like Mary Kate and Ashley, <laughs> they're not ta- they're not doing interviews about their 
freaking that's fair uh, they don't need to live career. off of this yeah so it's like a lot of this information comes from like news articles about where these people went from here and like a few interviews with the writer Huh. The, the, like that were the interviews were in ninety five or they No, just... no, no, like recent retroactive. So there's okay. like one pretty good interview where like I got like some good information. But the rest it was like trying to piece things together. And there's a lot of rumor and innuendo and like unsourced factoids that I'm like, Ooh. where did that come from? That doesn't track with, with anything. Yeah, so I'm here's I'm gonna do my best. All right, All right I'm here listening. we go. Fraternal twins, Mary Kate and Ashley Olson were born June thirteenth, nineteen eighty six in Sherman Oaks, California. That's close to us. Sort of. I don't know. It's in the same state. <laughs> it's, it's that way. Towards, ah, towards it's Los Angeles. that way. Uh, at six months old, the twins were cast as Michelle Tanner in the TJF sitcom Full House. As like literal infants, though. Not yep. as little girls. And then they learned to talk and they said things like, you got it, dude. Did they say that? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah, that was their catchphrase. How can you remember one line that they said one time? They said it all the time. I didn't There's watch super the cuts show. on YouTube. Um, a role that they would share until the show's conclusion in 1995. Wait, when did the show start? 88 or 89. Oh, they did that for like their whole lives. Yeah. Six years of their lives. And until 95? Mm-hmm. This movie came out in 95. Correct. Dying, son. Yep. Uh, Mary-Kate and Ashley made their film debut in the 1992 TV movie To, Gr- <laughs> to Grandmother's House We Go. Did you watch that one? No. I think it was a Christmas movie. Why? Isn't it about... I mean, I just assumed I don't know. it's I just, Little Red Riding Hood. I saw the, I saw the the logo or the the sorry like the VHS cover or whatever, mm-hmm. like the poster, and it looks like it's just like little Mary Kate and Ashley standing in front of a snowy house. They're gonna get eaten by a wolf. Uh, shortly thereafter, the twins' family founded production company Dual Star to specifically produce future Mary Kate and Ashley vehicles, such as 1993's Double Double Toil and Trouble. Boom. And 1994's How the West Was Won. Never heard of it. Uh, How the West Was Fun, excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't. The West was not fun at all. Especially for children. (laughs) You're right. Um, As well as the direct-to-video mystery series, The Adventures of Mary-Kate and Ashley. That was, my sister watched a lot of those. I don't think I watched them. She'd like rent individual tapes of The Adventures. (laughs) I've asked, I mean, that's, that's, I, I would want my child to do that. At least we're getting new things rather than the same tape over and over. Yeah, yeah. Uh, meanwhile, at some point in the early 90s, <laughs> this is where I like have to guess. At no some point, that's rude. I was like, I don't know. Orr and Cruikshank Productions, a production company led by screenwriting duo James Orr and Jim Cruikshank. Uh, they're known for movies like Three Men and a Baby and Sister Act 2. Uh, they- I do enjoy me some Sister Act 2. They began developing a project specifically for Mary Kate and Ashley. I don't know if they reached out. I don't know. I don't know how this deal was done, but at some point they got there. Like they they were able to land a deal to say yes, we would like to produce the next Mary Kate and Ashley movie. Okay. I don't know. Cool for them. Yeah. They recruited screenwriter Deborah Dean Davis to write the screenplay, leading with the question, "Quote: Do you know anything about seven-year-old girls?" <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so they pitched this whole thing and we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally, totally. We want to produce this. We got you. We got you, Mary Kate. We got you, Ashley. MKA, we got you. Excuse me. Screenwriter, do you know anything about little girls? Like they they went for it, but had to outsource. Your guess is as good as mine. Uh, Because this this is the story that uh, Miss Davis said in her uh, interview. 
but Davis immediately <laughs> immediately handed the phone to her seven year old little girl, helping her land the job. It's nice. like, yes, I do know th- th- a thing or two about seven year old girls. They're annoying. I got one right here. Um, as Davis developed the story, the producers offered her boxes of Olsen twins VHS tapes to help w- her with research. Boxes? Yeah. How many movies had they done at I that point? I don't know. That, that was what she said. Uh, but she instead invited Mary Kate and Ashley themselves over to her house for playdates with her daughter. That makes sense. Yeah. So that's what basically tells me that Mary Kate and Ashley were in on the ground floor of this project. Right? Yeah. Because they they went to the screenwriter's house to help her write the story mm-hmm. so she can understand the girl's personalities. Yeah. So some of these other factoids that are being thrown out on the internet, they don't make sense with that story established. So, you know, we got to connect the dots with... Find a, the truth we in have speculation. all will. Yeah, it's a lot of speculation, but that's... That's what she said. (laughs) Uh, The writer specifically asked the Olsons what they wanted in the movie, um, if they had any big requests. Ashley's response? A dog. Oh, gosh. Was there a dog in the movie? Uh, No, there were horses. Mary Kate's request was, please, horses. That's all I care about. (laughs) So Mary Kate got her wish. Ashley did not. Oh, maybe there was a dog, but the dog was cut maybe <laughs> the dog was left on the editing room floor yep so the first draft of the screenplay which went by the working title me and my shadow <laughs> that's a terrible name yep. i'm glad that working title did not work out yeah. uh, was then shopped around by oren Cruikshank, but it wasn't picked up by any of the major studios a rewrite of the screenplay by jeff Schechter uh, helped the film get the go-ahead by reicher entertainment who hired first-time director andy tennant who then rewrote the script himself again with his writing partner Rick Parks. Okay. Yeah. Now, at this at this point in time it sounded like Andy Tennant was trying to throw his weight around and get some changes made. Yeah. Now, the next the next bit, bit, bit of trivia I'm going to read was from an unsourced IMDb trivia factoid, okay? Okay. I don't know where this came from. I tried to find it, but this is what they said. So take this with a grain of salt. Several grains. <laughs> Reportedly, at one point, Tenet wanted to instead cast Mara Wilson as the, themes, uh, as the film's leads instead of the Olsen twins. Uh, but she was already working on Matilda. Matilda. At the time. Um, No, I don't think that would have worked. My best guess is that he, he rewrote the script... He was given the director's job. Maybe if this is true, maybe at this point in time he thought he could make some changes that would better suit his creative vision as opposed to what was initially pitched for the project. Yeah. But imagine have, like having no. a film wrote written specifically for you, as is the case with Mary Kate and Ashley, and only, then it yanked then it, from you. Yeah, that's show business. <laughs> Doesn't that happen in everything, though, when you work hard on something and then someone else slaps their name on it? You know what, though? I'm just thinking, like, I don't know that not, no offense to Mara Wilson, but I I haven't seen her in too many things. I've seen her at, at that age. Like, I saw her in Matilda and I've seen her in a couple other things. And I feel this like... This is Doubtfire. Yes. Um, I feel like she would have done a good job playing the... Um, one of the characters, but she, I've not seen her acting chops be able to do like Amanda. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, so I was like, eh, that might not have been the best fit. I found another funny factoid, an uh, equally unsourced IMD tr- IMDb trivia factoid, but apparently 
director of Matilda, Danny DeVito, mm-hmm. wanted to cast Mary-Kate and Ashley for the movie, but they were too busy making this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know where the wires get crossed. Maybe those two stories like got sw- mixed up somehow. <laughs> switcheroo, yeah. just like these the twins in this yeah. movie. Yeah, because also that being said, like I I don't put weight behind either of the things. Like I could not see Mary-Kate and or Ashley doing the Matilda role. Especially now, they're too old. They'd be too old. They're, they get you get mixed up. You know which one was Mary Kate and which one was Ashley. Do you know? Yeah, one's better actors. Wow, <laughs> wow. Uh, anyway, after a few more rewrites, the film entered production. Uh, though none of her original dialogue was used in the final film, Deborah Dean Davis was awarded the sole writing credit. Huh. Yeah, I, I'd heard that apparently, like the Writers Guild of America, they value story over dialogue. So okay. if you write a script and the story remains the same, even if all of the dialogue has changed, you get the writing credit because you came up with the story. All right, that makes sense. Yeah, whereas, you know, like it, it, like they would have had to do significant changes to the story mm-hmm. in order for whoever else to get the writing credits. Right, So, like what I was talking about where maybe the one twin that had a less happy life murdered the yes. other one yes. and then lived a better life. Yeah, that would have been very That would different. have taken her writing credit away, but also maybe too dark a role for... I don't know. Look, Macaulay Culk was doing like the good son at that point. Mary-Kate and Ashley never did... Did they ever do a drama? No, I don't think they ever did anything really dark. Mm. Maybe one of, one of the, the, the Olsen twins went on to do a, like a few minor, like small things as an adult, but... All the... Small things. No. Uh, once the film was completed, Warner Brothers picked up the theatrical and home video rights uh, as they already had a deal with the Olsen Twins production company, Dual Star Productions. And that is how It Takes Two was made. Nice. Golf clap. <laughs> um, yeah, so let's jump into this movie. So as we mentioned, uh, you got two twins. Two s- strangers. Two little girls. And they do a little switcheroo. What I see is me. I see me too. Does that mean there's two of you or, or two of me? It's a good question. That reminds me of a song that I saw on TikTok. That's it. I'm oh. not going to give you the song. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so let's introduce ourselves to the characters. So we got we got two two little girls. Mm-hmm. Different part, very different backgrounds. Yes. Very different lives. Which one do you want to talk about first? Let's talk about Alyssa first. All right. So little Alyssa is a prim and proper. uh, She's a privileged young girl of means. Her dad owns a cellular phone company. Yep. Uh, She's been sent to boarding school. For most of her life, it seems. Uh, She plays the piano. Yes. Like winning recital. She has way too many dolls. Yeah. And so the movie starts. She gets. She's just returning to the States from uh, boarding school? Or was she, I don't know. I th- I'm thinking it was still in state. She's returning home from boarding school. I There are boarding schools in the US. She, anyway, she gets off her private plane and her butler picks her up. Welcome home, princess. He forgot again, didn't he? Oh, well, I'm afraid your father's been unavoidably detained. But if it's any consolation, I know an old butler who's mighty glad to see you. Oh, I'm 
sorry, Vincenzo. How terribly rude of me. I'm very glad to see you, too. Uh, thank you, honey. Uh. <laughs> Excuse me, Richter. You're not invited here. No, I love, uh, yeah, that is little Alyssa. Calloway. Alyssa Calloway and her butler, Vincenzo. Yes. We love Vincenzo. He's the best part of this movie. <laughs> He's so good. Yeah, who, who plays Vincenzo? Uh, Vincenzo played by Philip Bosco. Boscos are, are good people. <laughs> so yeah, as you can hear in that clip, uh, as, as I feel like a very, you know, tropey element is, you know, the rich... The rich kid who has like a uh, like a distant father or mother. Yeah, right? yeah. The fa- her her dad is you know very a very busy man uh, and very distant. You know he can't even bo- be bothered to pick up his daughter from the airport after she's been gone for who knows how long months at the at the least. Yeah, but you can also hear with Alyssa she's very structured like. Prim, proper, I think you use that. Yeah. Uh, stri- classically trained <laughs> language. She has a lot of precision of language. She has an accent. She does. She has a She's good classy sh- in air Snooty. Quotes. Snooty. She has a bit of a snooty accent. But she doesn't mean to have, be a, have a snooty accent. It's just how she talks. It's just how she learned to talk. I didn't, oh, Vincenzo, I didn't mean it. Like that sounds that like she too, meant. That it. sounded too sarcastic. She's yeah. she's much more like. No, play the clip again. She always sounds a little sarcastic. Uh, she's just not. Well, I have another one. Same same scene. What's his excuse this time? Your father? Well, he's um, he's uh, preparing for your arrival up at the summer house. Which one? On Lake Monocle. But that's been closed for years. He never goes up there. Well, he does now. Oh, Vincenzo, you big fat fibber! Hmm? What's going on? My lips are sealed. You mean, it's a surprise? Oh, yeah, I suppose you could put it that way. It's a welcome home party for me, isn't it? I knew Daddy was up to something. Oh, well, now, Alyssa, I didn't oh, say... Oh, I won't tell. I've never had a surprise party my whole life. Yeah, I'm going to go with snobbish. She sounds a bit like Harmon- Hermione in the first Harry yeah, Potter movie. Bit, yeah, Where she's oh, just... Vincenzo. Oh, I won't tell anyone. Yeah, it's a little bit. I've never had a surprise party in all my life. Uh. I bet that's a lie. <laughs> I was like, that little girl has definitely had a party and has been given many wonderful things. That's true, but have they been surprises? Uh, <laughs> when, when you're that privileged, is anything a surprise? No. Unless someone like brings you like a bad ba- bagel or something. A bad bagel. Um. Excuse me, I need to talk to your manager. Oh gosh, start them off young. She. She sounds so earnest, uh, and I want to say sweet, but the accent is a bit distracting. She is very like sheltered. That yeah. that is true. Like, and and compared to her counterpart, mm-hmm. uh, we will we will see that she is very sheltered and not in the not in any way like worldly. Yeah. Uh, but I should point it out that Ashley Olsen plays Alyssa. Right. So that whenever we, because I'm going to get confused. We're all going to get confused. Mm-hmm. But I'm not. Alyssa is Ashley Olsen. Yeah. Okay. So this little prim and proper girl is Ashley. Who is Mary Kate playing? Amanda. Amanda Lemon. Amanda Lemon! What? I'm going to kill you. Didn't I tell you not to play ball in that dress? Oh, come on, Diane. I ain't going to hurt it. It's time for your interview. Now drop the bat. Let's go. Just let me smash this ball. 
right, you got 10 seconds. Otherwise, the game is going to be called on account of bloodshed. So, uh, little Amanda is, she's an orphan and growing up in like Brooklyn. Yeah. Or like East Manhattan. East Manhattan. I think that's what they yeah. said. She's got a huge New York accent. She's, <laughs> she's street tough. She's sassy, bratty. <laughs> Has a problem with authority. Uh, but, Just wants to play some ball. And uh, her, the other voice you heard in that was that was Diane, her social worker. Yes, I, they don't call it there. I think they call her the caseworker. I think they yeah. say caseworker. She works at the youth center where Ashley or Amanda lives. Yes. So Mary Kate doing a great job. <laughs> right off the bat, I, I. She also has an accent. She has a much better, like more authentic and uh, realistic. Yes, not accent. perfect. Not definitely perfect. not. Yeah. There are places like, but. She's eight. <laughs> she's got charisma. Yeah. I, I watch her, I'd be like, no, she's, she's, let a little Mary Kate, she's going places. <laughs> Ashley, not so much. Mm. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But uh, uh, anything else you want to talk about with Amanda? Um, No, she's just a spunky little girl. She is, uh, an, like we said, an orphan, orphan living in the inner city. Is that the proper term? Yeah. Okay. I, my brain was like, is inner city what we use for LA? Oh, I, she lives in the city. She lives in the city and um, she just wants to play ball and have fun and she has a, an appointment to go to but she's like, uh, no. <laughs> she knows how to scam other little kids and adults out of money. That's true. Uh, you know, she's, she's like, Cough. she's streetwise. She's very streetwise. I love that there's a point where like Diane tells her something and she's like, you want to bet? You know? And she, yeah. He's like, yeah. Or, 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 no, it was the other way around. Diane says to her, you want to bet? And she goes, yeah, how much you want? 50 bucks? Cough it up. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. Yeah. She's, yeah, Amanda's good. Feisty. Very feisty. Come on, Frankie, I gotta go to Staten Island. Staten Island? What about camp? You'll miss the bus. I won't either. It's just a look-see. They're not trying to place you with the butt kisses, are they? So what if they are? You haven't met those people? That family collects kids. They'll take anybody. Even the rejects like you. <laughs> Shut up, Frankie. At least I got an interview. Oof. Right. <laughs> low blow. Low, yeah. Low blow, Amanda. She 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 was not one to uh, cry in a corner because someone called her ugly. That's true. for sure. Yep. That's also true. <laughs> like, but um, you look at both characters like circumstances, right? And mm -hmm. one one is clearly way off, better off than the other, right? Yeah. Like poor Amanda, like. She's got legitimate problems, you know. Right. She she wants she wants parents. Like there's built-in character issues with her, right? Right. Like, she has self-worth stuff, you know. Feel, yeah. You know, like people calling her rejects, like, you know, she can't find a family or whatever. Right. And, whereas, um, Alyssa, the the rich girl, her issues are more like, oh, my father's so distant. Yeah. But then we learn like her father is not. Like, yeah, he's not he, like that what you would expect like oh he didn't even come pick his daughter. He's up. not unloving. Oh. Like I yeah. feel like he's he's well meaning and has a like I I when I, we were introduced to him I, I said that he had a heart of gold. Yeah. Like he at least he's he wants to be a good father. He's just distracted. Should we talk about her father? Yeah, I got a clip for her dad. What is his what's his name? Roger. Roger Calloway. Hey, oh, there Daddy! she is. Come over here. Oh, my little Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're not Alyssa Calloway. Listen, Calloway's a little girl, and you're a foot taller than she is. It's me, honest. It is. Mm. Honey, I've missed you so much. I'm sorry I wasn't there at the airport to meet you. That's okay. I knew it had to be something really important. Uh -huh. 
Like a party, maybe? She knows about the party? I didn't say a thing. Like, that guy seems so, like, he loves his daughter. Yeah. He doesn't, he didn't mean to hurt her. He apologized immediately. Immediately. Yes. Ran out to see, didn't, like, it wasn't the, like, she had to go in, find him. Which of the rooms is he in? Is he in the office? Is he on the phone? He, like, heard the cars pull up, dropped whatever he might have been doing. We don't know. We didn't see him in the house. Ran out front to go and embrace his daughter. Yep. And, like, so when we talk about these two characters, like, I feel like the heart of the film is with Amanda. Yeah. She's got the real problems and the things, the real things to overcome. Right. You know, because she, she's just a poor little orphan girl. Needs to. I'm just a poor girl with a. No family. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, she's got, she's got, she, she needs to move up or whatever. You know, she's find her place in the world. Uh, Alyssa, like, her, her issues are more superficial yeah i mean it's not she has a they, real problem but yeah it's not like there it's a false problem but in the scale when we sit and compare the two one is clearly more of it you know deal yeah. with this now than the other one that being said kids don't take your problems and compare them to other people and say like well i don't have it as bad as like your problems are hard for you which right. is why they are your problems right but when we're talking about the language of film like i have to be yeah like, it's like both both okay they're not sisters both main characters, both little Just girls, girls. <laughs> they're both presented as the protagonists. But I would say that like Amanda is, is the more, one that you're really rooting for. Yeah, she's more. She's the. She's more of the protagonist than right. Alyssa is. Yeah, I can. They both I can work together. But yeah. <laughs> well, since we talked about the adult in um, Alyssa's life, we should talk about the adult in Amanda's life. We already heard Amanda yell at her. Uh, can we talk about Diane? Saving time. Yes, I don't have any clips for Diane until later, but we can talk but, about her. Yeah, so like we said, Diane is the caseworker for Amanda. Uh, she takes her, she, Amanda screams at her, well, she screams at Amanda to get ready because they have to be in Staten Island. And um, Amanda screams back in a very loving way, <laughs> as we heard. But um, so basically, she just, takes care of Amanda. Uh, well, she takes care of all, she is technically in charge of all the kids at the youth center, not in charge, but shares responsibility with the other people who work there. Uh, but she has a special connection to Amanda. Yeah. And they like, there's definitely like a motherly relationship there, yeah. but also it's like they're buds. Like that's how Amanda puts it. Like she's a, she's my bud. She's my bud. Like they, they talk shop a lot. Like mm -hmm. it's just too, like, I don't know. They're like two old souls. Just yeah. like, commiserating with each other a lot but it is clear that amanda wants to be adopted by diane and diane wants to adopt amanda at one point right like when they go to visit the butt kisses which is alluded to in that first clip she like diane says something to the like effect of like you gotta look like you don't you want a family like you gotta be and amanda goes well then adopt me already like yeah, that's yeah. their back and forth like it's one of those things where it's so interesting actually their like relationship because it feels a little bit like you know like two friends that are like really good friends and everybody's like, why don't you guys just get together? And they're like, oh no, it's not like that. It's not like, but it's like, they just have the yeah. timing wrong or something. So in the same way, it feels like that. Uh, Diane has her excuses of like, you deserve a fam, a whole family, not just a mom. Yeah. Like, and then Amanda's like, then date somebody. Yeah, yeah. That's why I was like, I love their relationship because like, Diane is clearly like this single woman, like out on the prowl, but like, she's, I don't know. She's a bit older. She, you know, mm -hmm. she's not... She, she doesn't have a lot of time to go out and date. And she stuff cares like that. about her job a lot. So she puts a lot of her energy yeah. into that. You know, so she's always complaining like, oh, you're going to find me a man or you're going to. Yeah. 
Are you going to go out there and kiss find- some frogs for me? Yeah, stuff like that. Um, but I don't know. It's it's a very, again, it's like the Amanda side of things is way more interesting than the Alyssa side of things, yeah. in my opinion. At least sort of like the heart of the film, the emotion yeah. is right there with Amanda and Diane. Mm-hmm. Interesting fact about Diane. Apparently, uh, director Andy Tennant wanted to cast Winona Ryder as Diane. What is she? Fit in. She was a uh, Beetlejuice. Oh, how old was she at this point? She's like freaking twenty. <laughs> no. Yeah. So right, Reicher Entertainment rejected that idea because they thought she was too young for the role. She was too young. Way for the too role. young because Chris. It, she's played by Chrissy Alley in the final film, and like right. I think Chrissy Alley, like you know, is what like mid thirties. Mm-hmm. You know, like. Could you imagine? Like, see, he, that would make the whole dynamic. I know we haven't gotten to the romance part. But that would have made it so creepy because Richard, Rip, Robert, whatever, Calloway uh, is Steve Gutenberg is not 20. And considering where this relationship, I would have been like, oh, that's predatory, man. That's <laughs> super predatory. Don't, don't give it away. I won't. I'm just saying. <laughs> nope. Definitely needed a woman closer to his age. Okay. Another thing, those first few clips where we introduced the girls, they both alluded to going to a lake. Amanda's going to a camp with all of her orphans. Yes. What? <laughs> yes, with all the kids from the youth center. Yep, they're all go- they're all going to go to camp um, at Lake Elsinore. <laughs> no, no. Like L- Finaqua. Lake Finaqua. No, I think it's Menaqua. Finaqua is from a different show. Lake Minnetonka. <laughs> it's something Aqua, but we're going to call it Finaqua. <laughs> and Alyssa, her she she's being taken by her butler to their summer home that's also on the lake. Yes. And that's how they're in the same place at the same yes. time. They're, like, they're both going to visit this lake area. Yes. Amanda is going to camp to Camp Calloway. And Alyssa is going to meet her father. Mr. Calloway. Mr. Calloway. <laughs> who lives near the lake in because, a summer home. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of that camp, the camp was... Oh, the whole Most of the film, other than the New York scenes, were all filmed in... Muskoka, Ontario, Canada. All right. The summer camp is still active to this day. Oh. Allegedly. I don't know. This is, who knows <laughs> when that was written? That's fair. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, let's. It shouldn't be. It's COVID and not summer. So, the the two girls, they get to the lake and you got to have the switcheroo. And it yeah. happens pretty quickly. Yeah. How does, how, does, how does Alyssa become Amanda and Amanda become Alyssa? Well, uh, I don't know if you're going to say this, but in that clip that we heard with Alyssa, she's like, oh, it's a party. And her dad's like, you told her? And she's like, no. And Alyssa thinks it's a party for herself. It's not. It's not. In fact, her fr- her dad then unfortunately introduces her to his new friend, Clarice. Alyssa, I would like you to meet a very good friend of mine, Clarice Kensington. Hello, Miss Kensington. How do you do? Oh, what a perfect little girl. (gasps) Roger, I'm absolutely smitten. You and I are going to be great friends. Are you here for my party? Your party? Roger, don't tell me you haven't told her. Told me what? told him what well daddy's got a new girl in town daddy is engaged i'm sorry kids didn't mean to say daddy into the mic like that (laughs) spoiler (laughs) um not only is he engaged to a woman that his eight-year-old daughter 
Just met. Just met a, a human being who has her own personality, thoughts, and opinions. But he's getting married when? Sweetheart, Clarice and I will be married next month. What? You're finally going to have a real family. And she's going to be your new mother. Isn't that wonderful? <gasps> Dead faint. <laughs> she passed out. <laughs> Dramatically. She did it. It was a dramatic gesture. Yes. Um, yeah, in a month. And uh, That's a lot to drop on an eight-year-old. Yeah. She just got back. She thought she was having a surprise party for herself. And now she's meeting this woman whom... Is a uh, monster. Is a monster that she just overheard her her say. I have I have several clips called Clarice is a monster. <laughs> you want to just play them? I'll play the first one because it was what you were introducing. They say the first Mrs. Calloway was a lovely woman, but look at this room. Now one of the women's dead. She had absolutely no taste. Can't wait to sell this house. And that's what the small girl overheard. Your dead mother had no taste, and I'm going to sell her favorite house. Yep, and then she goes out going, Daddy! And that's when Dad says, We're getting married. We're getting married. Not okay. So, uh, in a fit of... Angst. Righteous angst, she runs as she goes, and she runs away, claiming that I would rather be an orphan. Yep, so she runs off to the lake to go live her life as an orphan, because she knows that orphans have a camp across the way. Yes. And how does Amanda get mixed up with Alyssa. Double dog dare. She, they ba Yeah, her orphan friends basically dare her to go ring the doorbell on the summer home. Why do you have to say orphan friends? Why can't you just say friends? Because they're orphans. Okay. <laughs> they're orphan friends. So yeah, my, like most camps, there are um, ghost stories, stories, ghost stories, and there is a house on the other side of the lake that is always left empty, but the ghost of the dead Miss Calloway haunts the stairs and anyone who goes up there will be eaten. And so she's like, okay, that's baloney. And then the kids are like, um, you won't ring the doorbell. And she's five bucks says I will. And she gets like, she hustles six kids out of their money yep. and goes and goes ding dong, but does not ditch. Nope. She, she, and then she basically, at that point in time, that point in the movie, both characters get mixed, you know, mistaken for the other one. Yes. Right? So poor little Amanda's there to just play, you know, ding dong ditch. But the 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 butler answers the door. He's like, "Oh, you're here. Come on in." And uh, we get this. Cause you think I'm pretty stupid, huh? Nah, you're just a little upset. That's all. Looks like I just won five bucks. Hmm. So when's this party? Am I invited? Your dress is upstairs on the bed. Cocktails are at five. Now, if you'd excuse me, please. A dress? Me? You gotta be kidding. <laughs> she doesn't know what the heck's going on, but she's like, I'll put on a dress. I'll go to this party. <laughs> she just like walks upstairs and like, okay, cool, for sure. Um, but she pretty quickly gets scared out because she's walking upstairs just looking at the cool digs and then notices a painting on the wall that is of her. And honestly, that would be super terrifying. Could yeah, you especially if you think this home is you is haunted. Yeah, just walking to a strange house and like, that's definitely a painting of me and I've never been here before. Let's get out. And then Clarice walks along dressed in like robes. She just took a shower and face stuff on and she just looks like a ghost. 
Um, and so Amanda runs out screaming. Yeah, where you know, and then on the opposite side of the lake, Amanda's just sitting nope. there. But Alyssa. Alyssa is just standing there, being sad by the lake, and uh, Diane sees her moping and says, "Oh, that's Amanda. Let me go get her." Because Amanda mopes. There you are. <laughs> I have been looking everywhere for you. You have? Well, of course I have. Now, let me ask you a question. You did not come all the way up here to sit around like a bump on a log, did you? No. Uh, I guess not. Well, then come on, Slugger. They're playing football. You're missing out on all the fun. So uh, Alyssa just has a wonderful time playing football with all of her new orphan friends. She enjoys it, except when she's being chased after, and then she runs, runs into for the it, woods. runs screaming into the woods because she's being chased. And we get this contrived moment where both twins are running through the woods, scared of whatever was happening, and they run into each other, and we get the, you, you, you're, you're me, me, and I'm you. Oh. <laughs> Alyssa Calloway, it's a pleasure to meet you. Amanda, put it there. No wonder that big penguin guy asked me in. Oh, that's Vincenzo. He's our butler. Who's the woman with the long, dark hair? I liked her. Oh, that's Diane. We're buds. She's pretty cool for a grown-up. What the heck were you doing over there anyway? I, uh, I wanted to see what it was like to be an orphan. What? Why? Because it looked like fun. Fun? Being an orphan? What's the matter with you? The disgust in Mary Kate's voice went, "What?" That, that that transitions to my point. I want to talk about which Olsen twin was the better actress. It's and why is it Mary Kate? <laughs> <laughs> like just in that clip alone, she's so good. Yeah. Like she's got all. She's moved. She. We talk about good kid actors. Like she's putting her all into it. Like yeah. She's got the. She's got the facials. She's got the like body language. The swagger. Yeah, and like she's doing the accent too. She's like, mm -hmm. it's all good. Whereas, I know that Ashley is her her character's limited. I understand yeah. that. Like she's playing like a sheltered little meek little girl. Right, right, right. But it sounds like Ashley's just saying her lines as you know reciting her lines as she memorized them. She's mm -hmm. not putting she's not putting the oomph. She was already tired of this acting thing. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I'm doing this because my family needs to eat. <laughs> like, there are times when she gets more natural when mm -hmm. she's just talking like a little girl would. But, like, when she has to, like, say all of the... When she has to say all of the big lines, like, for the plot to happen, like, it's just like... It falls a little flat. Yeah, it's very stilted. Yeah, yeah. I don't disagree. Like, Mary-Kate owned her her part. She just did. <laughs> You can hear it through all of these clips, right? We first enter is like, he didn't come again. It's a party for me. And to, to ah, just let me hit this ball out of the park. Gosh, get off. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the energy is just different. It is. And so for the next few clips, I want to focus on that because I feel like I, I have to prove Mary Kate is the better actress of the Olsen twins. All right. Uh, so they come up with a plan because they're like, hey, we look the same. And uh, Mar uh, Alyssa explains her terrible situation with this crazy woman who's going to marry her father. And she's absolutely horrid. <laughs> she's absolutely horrid. If I were you, I'd get rid of her. Any suggestions? You're talking to a pro here. I've driven away more possible parents than you'll ever meet. 
Don't you want a family? Girls gotta have our standards. So tell me something. This party, you really don't want to go? I'd rather eat dirt. Okay, so listen. You be me, I'll be you. One night only. Tomorrow at noon, we switch back. What do you say? That's the plan. That's the plot. <laughs> <laughs> it is the plot. <laughs> don't you want a family? <laughs> uh, she doesn't know what she's doing. She, she doesn't. She doesn't know she's supposed to be like... Like is it is it like a snooty like waspy voice? Is it British? Yeah, what is it? I don't know. I think the only natural line that she had there was when she said, "I'd rather, I'd rather eat, eat dirt." I see, like yeah. that both of us could point it out. She, there are moments where it's like, okay, Ashley, you're doing fine, but mm-hmm. other times I'm like, ugh, not ugh, <laughs> but ugh. It's like it, it verges into like poor kid acting, where Mary Kate is just like. Rolling with it, I was yeah. like, I believe it. Yeah, She's this carrying is a, it. this is Amanda Lemon. <laughs> That's true. She like embodies the character in a lot of ways. It makes it feel, which I think is such a a service because like obviously the Olsen kids have have been working since they were young, right? So they are closer to. So it would feel like uh, Ashley should do a slightly better job at portraying a young girl of means and then I'm um almost... but that amanda does such or sorry that mary kate does such a good job at portraying like something that like if it goes wrong if you're not doing this right make a caricature caricature of it that's mm. especially considering that the the story was written with these two in mind right like i yeah. feel like these characters were written with these girls in mind so right. you would think that ashley would fit more into the role that was written for her right but then also it was the the script was rewritten, so the mm-hmm. dialogue might just not gel with her. So I don't know. That's fair. It's either it's, it's either her acting ability or just this dialogue not meshing with her tool set. Or maybe a little bit of both. A little bit of both. <laughs> All right, more of that plan. That's wonderful. That way you can scare up Clarice for me. Only don't be such a goody goody. You know I got a reputation to protect. I scored a touchdown, didn't I? Okay, just don't talk so good. Use lousy English like, <laughs> ain't you never gonna wanna, don't you have to go to the bathroom? That sort of thing. You ain't got nothing to worry about. I say you do catch on rather quickly. Stables, noon. Like, even that, right? Like, Mary Kate, Amanda, like, took on the persona of Alyssa for a little bit. Uh, yeah, it was a little bit condescending and a little bit sarcastic, but still. She's a better Alyssa than, than yeah. a, a, Alyssa is. Yeah. Like she, she, she read that line with more conviction than Alyssa was saying any of her lines before. Yeah. I'm telling you. Mm, I mean, Mary it's Kate's, not like I came into this disagreeing with you. Mary Kate is the better Olsen. <laughs> no. The <laughs> better actress. Mm, there's still more Olsons out there, though. Elizabeth is the best Olsen. <laughs> Thank you. <Yes. laughs> I was like, mm. Shout out to WandaVision. Oh, such a good show. Kids, right. you agree with me or you are cut from this family. Well, we, we, you said earlier you wanted to hear more from Diane. And I've got a good, I got basically dual scenes, right? I got Diane talking to Alyssa as Amanda and Mr. Gutenberg. What's his name? Roger. Okay. Talking to Alyssa as no, Amanda as Alyssa. This oh, no. is really wait. Okay. Diane is talking to the rich girl pretending to be a poor girl. Got it. Whereas I have the dad talking to the poor girl pretending to be the rich girl. Got it. 
Let's talk Diane. They should not have made their names the same. Amanda, Amanda and like and uh, like Liz, just Elizabeth. Yeah, yeah, that would have been good. I was thinking like A and Z, like you know. Hmm. Amanda and Zendaya. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I want a remake. Was Zendaya a like 22-year-old? Like <laughs> okay, but I was just thinking about Black Annie. I'm thinking like the like do that weird like gross like de-aging thing or what was Ew. the thing? What was that movie with uh with one of the the Wayans that he was put on a baby? Oh yeah. I know what you're talking Daddy's about. Daddy's boy or something. Was it? I can't it was remember. something like that. Don't know. Just put Zendaya's face on Absolutely a little girl. Absolutely not. Body. This sounds like a terrible idea. All right, Diane. You remind me of someone. I do? Who? Someone I've never met. Well, how can I do that if you've never met her? Sometimes when I dream, I think I see her. You know, you've been acting just a little bit weirdo today, kiddo. I think maybe it's all this fresh air. Don't make fun. Sorry. Just that usually you're such a tough guy. Don't tell anyone, okay? Scout's honor. I mean, after all, I wouldn't want to spoil my reputation, none. None. I figured it out. She has a lilt to her voice. Even when she's like saying stuff that should sound natural because she's not doing that accent, she just has a natural kind of lilt to her voice. Maybe not natural. She's like putting it on. Like it's the sentimental kind of thing. Don't and that's make what fun. Yeah, it was even before that. Like sometimes... I dream about her. Like, mm. it's a little bit, it's just, it's like, mm. Might be a valley thing. Maybe it's like an LA thing. Do I, do I lilt? No, no, I was like, some, I, I, the, the like, what, what was that uh, example you just used? When uh, I talk about, yeah, when I talk about her? Yeah. Like, valley girls do that sometimes. I guess. No, you're, you're not wrong. So it's just, I think that that's the thing that throws it. So it's like that mixed with an accent that she's putting on. Um, it was, but that was a very nice moment. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's 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 like there's a lot of like dual scenes where it's like one scene with one twin and then another scene with the other twin and yeah. it's like the same general scene with the same dynamics, but it's just like presenting both and you know how it works with each right. one and so like with this scene, it's like oh Diane's starting to catch on. Oh, you're a little different today. Well, what's all this about? Right, right. and. It reveals more about Alyssa's character where it's like, well, she really wants a mom and she wants this vulnerability, but, mm -hmm. you know, like she, not with Clarice. Yeah. And I think it does say a lot about like, these are things that she doesn't like. She is very prim and proper, even with her dad. Just like, yes, of course, dad. Yes, of course. I All right. We'll do that. Yes. You know, like very understanding. But like she crawls into bed with this strange woman, technically. But like. And t draws comfort in a much different way. Like, I don't imagine her. And I think that has a lot to do. Like, I don't imagine her doing that with Roger. But I also think that has a lot to do with something that we haven't really necessarily discussed. But, like, the fact that her mom died when she was very young. Yeah, right? Like, yeah. because she's, like, seven or eight or something like that. And um, it Roger says at some point, like, he hasn't been back to his place since his wife died. Yeah. And she, you know, like, so that's when she was very young. So it almost seems like she has developed a habit. That's not the word I want to use, but she's developed this kind of uh, understanding, maybe because of how her dad was grieving, that that she needed to give him space or she needed to, like, not 
give him more things to worry about on top of all the grief he was already feeling plus his business and stuff like that. So this is the dynamic that they have now. Whereas she takes Alyssa's hand or she takes Diane's hand, follows her around and like sits in her bed, tells her she dreams of like technically a mom, you know? Right. right. Um, and then you get the other side of the coin with, uh, Amanda with the dad. Right. The dad obviously thinks she's Alyssa, but it's Amanda. A lot of A, a, noise, a names. <laughs> she was very upset with your performance this evening. Now, don't you think you should give her a chance? I did, and she's a big phony baloney if you ask me. I've never heard you this outspoken. Wouldn't it be nice to have a mother? Yeah, and it'd be nice to have a father, too. Ooh. I mean... No, no, sweetheart... I think the person you're really angry at is me. You? Mm-hmm. What'd you do? Well, I, I haven't been much of a father lately. I've been working and I haven't seen you. And But you know what? All that's going to change. I like that scene a lot more because it reveals just as much about, like, Roger's character as it does about Amanda's character. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, oh, you know, your dad, too, you know? And, like, he's just like, he, he takes that, he internalizes that, and he's like, ooh. Yeah. I haven't been a very good father. You're right. But then Amanda said it be, not because she was trying to be, you know, trying to hurt him. She was speaking more for herself. Right. She's like, yeah, I wish I had a father. She's like, I wish I had parents. Yeah. Which I think, again, is interesting because that's not something she says to Diane. Right. Like, even yeah. though she does say, like, then adopt me already. Otherwise, she doesn't say, like, yeah, I want to be, I want a family. I want this. And also going back to the other point, I think this also re- reveals even more, like, what I was saying about uh, his relationship with actual Alyssa because he was like, you're never this outspoken. She probably isn't. She probably yeah, doesn't yeah. vocalize these things. You know, like I think, not just I think, I know that she doesn't feel comfortable enough to say that because how easy would it have been to be like, dad, she just said that it's a good thing my mom is dead and she's going to sell this place. Like not thinking, you know, kind of thing. Like yep, an eight-year-old yep. being like, okay, I guess my voice isn't going to be heard or it's going to be too much, too problematic. Whereas Amanda's like, mm. She's a phony baloney. Yeah. And you know what I will also say? Like, especially for these things that you're you're like getting, she's doing a, a good job of like putting the Alyssa facade over the Amanda. Yeah. But she's still very Amanda. Yeah. It's so, Mary-Kate, as far as I'm concerned, she's the winner <laughs> of this movie. This, there, this she, was a competition. That's a... I'm not, I, I never want to do this, but that would be a fun podcast project, which would be like, we we, we award a winner of every Mary-Kate and Ashley movie. It's like, who won the movie? A Mary-Kate or Ashley? Oh my gosh, can we just go through every Mary-Kate and Ashley movie, not the TV that's stuff? A, that's, a, that's a podcast for another generation. No, let's do it. I want to rewind. Also, paid. the one when they were in Australia is called Our Lips Are Sealed. We, we need to be paid for that. Okay. Hey, kids, do you want that one? We're going to start a Patreon. Just let us know. <laughs> um, but I think this dad talk transitions well into our, we, we want to like, because as much as this movie is about Mary Kate and Ashley antics, right? And there are a lot of antics, mm-hmm. lots of antics, many you antics, know, like a lot of, you know, Prince and the Popper style antics starring right. two t- twins. That's all fun and dandy, but we want to characterize Roger Calloway. <laughs> Roger Calloway is a flawed man. Yeah. He really, really is. And we, like, the second half of this movie was just, just like, Roger. Why? What what are you doing? Why do you do this? But why, sir? Like, we know the movie is moving in this direction. We know why this is happening. But, Roger, why are you happening? 
Yeah, Roger just takes a like left turn. We were, we were talking about it because when we were watching it at the very beginning, you're like, oh, he's just a, a <laughs> dad with a heart of gold and some, you know. He's a forgetful pan- dad, but he has. Patented dad guilt. Oh, yeah, he's got the dad guilt. <laughs> but. um get the dad guilt clip. Did you want to use it? <laughs> yeah. Hello. Yes, you are right. Uh, Roger Calloway, he has the dad guilt. <laughs> I spent way too long digging, digging that up just to do that gag. Do you feel satisfied? Yes. Do you feel vindicated? Yes. So tell us about Roger Calloway. Because we talked about it. Like The man straight up announces to his daughter, yeah, I'm getting engaged next month. Yeah, so I think that, like, and I've already said that, like, I have major problems with, if your kid is one to two, fine. But, like, like, fine, you don't necessarily super need, like, your kid's involvement in that, but you absolutely need to have your child meet and interact with your intended because you don't know what kind of person you are marrying and how they react with child children, specifically your child. That's stupid and dangerous. Yes. Don't do that. Yes. Okay. Your child has its own personality, is smart, is sent away to boarding school to do. And you just like, hey, I've been dating and I'm going and I proposed and we've been engaged long enough for um, it to just the wedding be a month away. Yeah. And he's also a rube. He's like, he can't tell this woman's a monster and just wants him for his money. Yeah. Like, she's really not that great at pretending that she's not a monster. I don't know what this clip is, but let's see what this says. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? Before we sit down to dinner, my future stepdaughter, whom I absolutely adore, has consented to play one of the pieces that won her first prize at the Windsor Academy Youth Recital. (laughs) Hold it. Time out. I can't play the piano. But I just told everyone that you would. Then do me a grand favor and untell them. Look, you will. (laughs) If you embarrass me in front of all these people, I'll make sure that you never play anything ever again. Have I made myself clear? He threatened. She tra- she threatened the child. Not only did she threaten the child, she used the word consent when she absolutely did not have consent from this child. Yep. Um, so many flags, and every single one of them are red. Yeah, it was like Roger. Are you serious? Like he's not in this in the area to hear this go down and maybe in general like her his daughter likes to perform and do stuff but like no he so like okay roger comes from like he's like new money like later on in the movie he describes like how he stumbled upon the idea for cellular phones like he just had on a whim bought airspace and it happened to work out for him. So right. it's a cell phone company. Like maybe he doesn't know how old money works, right? Like she's clearly a woman who comes from means and is just yeah. trying to w- marry another wealthy man. You know, that being said, like, I mean, he had to have been some kind of well off to have enough money to buy airspace, I guess. But like, if you're not coming from like, you should have some kind of wit, like, to know, right? I don't know. It's just he's dumb. He's a fool. Um, he's a fool, and there's a lot of things he does. Like, like we can say he loves his daughter, but he doesn't care for his daughter. 
Um, he leaves that to Vinny with Vincenzo, but we call him Vinny <laughs> uh, because Amanda calls him Vinny and it's much better. Um, and he live, leaves the emotional care to Vinny. Yeah. And he's just there as the provider of the, 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 the I guess, societal things, right? So mostly he's, I think he's getting married because he thinks that's what he should do. Um, but he doesn't cons- consult his daughter at all or speak to her at all, which is a problem. Very much a problem. But like we heard in the um, scene he had with Amanda saying like, I'm going to do all better. Like I'm, we're going to spend time together. He does specifically say Clarice is leaving so we can spend time together, which again, you're about to marry this woman and you're not having family together things to build. You're going to be a family. Like we all already know from the scene, even though she hasn't said it yet, that like Clarice has every intention to send this girl off to boarding school in a different country so that she never has to like deal with her. What act? Oh, please. By the time I was your age, I'd been through three stepmothers, so I know all about the lengths that little girls will go through to keep daddy all to themselves. Hey, you got that all wrong, lady. Alyssa, don't be rude. I am talking. Where was I? Oh, yes. <clears throat> You have had Roger to yourself for nine wonderful years, but after tomorrow, I'm the woman of the house, and you're off to a year-round boarding school. Possibly in Tibet. <laughs> <laughs> See, even with that, right? Like, it feels like the way that Roger's operating, he just assumes that's what's going to happen. Like, you guys don't need to get to know each other. You're never going to be in the same room at the same time. Which, if his daughter was 17... Fine. She's about to be out the house in college in a dorm, uh, which is basically a boarding school. Uh, you don't need to, but she's eight, you know, which is just kind of like very problematic. Yeah. But then it goes even more, right? Like, so that's just him as a dad. How is he as a uh, romantic partner? Okay. Well, let me introduce that. So the girls, they they have their separate time away for the day, right? They're trying to like send Clarice off and like they 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 both realize like oh man like you know Alyssa's having so much fun hanging out with Diane at the camp and hanging out with all the kids and and then uh Amanda's having such a great time with a dad she loves having a dad and, and Roger's a cool dad it's nice to have a dad and so they they meet back up at the stables as agreed upon so what's a cool guy like your dad doing with a witch like her anyway it's too bad she didn't meet Diane first now she's awesome yeah, they'd be perfect for each other. You're not thinking what I hope you're not thinking. Wanna bet? But it's getting married next month. So all they gotta do is meet once, then they'll fall in love for sure. How do you know? Because Diane says when it happens, it happens like that. So the girls, in true uh, parent trap fashion, try to hook the, you know their, their people up with each other. Their people, yeah. At least it's not a divorced couple, you know, re, you know, rekindling that old flame. <laughs> I feel like that's a, that's a tired trope, especially e- even in the nineties. Yeah. The parent trap did it. I know other movies have done it where it's like the two divorced parents, like get back together. Right. We'll watch one in a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Like, um, yeah, it's definitely a trope. So I appreciate that. It's just like two, two, uh, single people, <laughs> almost single. I mean, Two people that do not have a previous con- relationship. A contract. <laughs> <laughs> There's no contract. There's no contract. 
Uh, but let me, yes, yes, that, that, that perfectly goes into what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about Roger as, uh, he, Roger. Roger. We're going to talk about the Remember, this people. man's engaged, and then he, they, they, they. Not only engaged, only a month away from being wed. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, you know, per the little girl's plans, they organize a meet between these two people. Uh, it's, can you describe that? A meet the meet cute, yeah. Um, they go for horse rides, both pairs, yeah. Both pairs go for horse rides. The girls slip, slip away from their assigned adult and then hide in the bushes with a slingshot, shoot the horse that the inexperienced Diane is riding, and just let it gallop away into the sunset while she screams because danger and she's never really been on a horse before. And uh, hoping that Roger Calloway hears and goes and save her. And he does. He does. But he also gets hurt. Like, he falls off his horse and hurts his butt. But that's And he gets a scrape on his face. Right. But anyway, they meet each other. Are you Roger Calloway? I think so. The Roger Calloway from the Calloway Foundation for Kids? Yeah, that's me. Oh, I'm Diane Barrows. You know, I always wanted to meet you. My kids just love your camp. Oh, yeah? You have kids? Well, they're not mine. I work for the East Side Children's Center in Manhattan, and we're here for a week. Ah, of course. Well, it was very nice to meet you, Mr. Calloway. Roger, please. Roger. So, anyway, you think... Oh, that that, that sounds like, you know, just Kurt, professional, very fine, friendly. Like, right. the man just saved her life. She's very thankful, and she's very... Oh, yes, you know, Roger, oh, nice to meet you, you know? Like, yeah. he seemed, he seemed like a, just, just a normal, everyday thing. He then makes a choice. She's turning to walk away, mm -hmm. and he says, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. Oh, and, and thank you for saving my life. <laughs> and you really should put some iodine on your butt. Cut. <laughs> Miss Barrows. Diane. Diane. Uh, I was wondering if I could offer you some uh, iced tea or something. I'd love to hear more about the camp and how it's all going. Only if we can walk. <laughs> you took the words right out of my mouth. He invites her for, for drinks, for iced tea at his, his estate. That's exactly what he does. Like, and it, it's, it is clear as day. It's like, oh, man, I am into this woman. Yeah. Like, minutes after meeting her, I, yeah. will, I will invite her to my home. After my fiancé has left. <laughs> yeah. She just left today. She and, just left today. And we're talking about my butt. Like, <laughs> oh, gosh. Like, mm, she seems into it. I'm going to go. And so they have... Drinks at his place. It's just having, non-alcoholic. Having, having a nice time chatting and like he, again, like he's given many chances to, you know, like he has to make several steps and choices. Yeah. To get where he's at. Yep. And, and the next choice that he makes is this one. So Vincenzo walks up and tells him he's, <laughs> he's got a call from what's, what's her, uh, Clarice. Excuse me, Miss Kensington, boss. She insists. Excuse me, it's my... Miss Kensington. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Hi, Clarice. How you doing? He says, it's my... Miss Kensington. <laughs> he made that choice. Yeah. He thought to him... There's that split second where he's like, I can say this is my fiancé. And firmly established to this woman I've just met, yes, I am, a, I am not available. I am in a committed relationship. In fact, I'm getting married next month. He decides to withhold that information, omit it, yep, and simply say she is my friend. <laughs> did he say friend? My miss. Oh, he didn't even say it. He, he did. She's my 
Miss Ken- Kensington. Like, uh, he's keeping his options open. Yeah. It's like, not okay. No, so at this point, I'm like, we're like, mm, Roger, you had a heart of gold, but starting to feel like you're really kind of self-serving. And it's like, the movie sets it up where it's like, yeah, Clarissa's a terrible human being, and like the she's the heel, right? We want to see everybody triumph over her, right? Right. We, as the, the, you expect the little kids to be like, yeah, we want to see this grown man... We don't want to see him get with that ugly witch. You know, we want to see him get with, you know, good old Diane. Yeah. But, like, the way he goes about it is just very... Not okay. Not okay. And it's... it's not okay. It's wrong. Yeah, we were like, we were like, hey, no. <laughs> the whole time I was like, bro, you're in a relationship. You're in a committed relationship. You're about to commit as much as you can to this relationship. And he's, he even, like, he upsets Diane by, like, trying to go along with this charade. Yeah. Look, just try to calm down. I'll speak to you. You know what, Roger? Excuse me. I think I'm just going to go now. Just one second. One second, please. Roger. Is there a woman there with you, Roger? Yes, there's sort of a woman here. She's from the camp across the lake. Oh, how delightful. I'm in the middle of a crisis, and you're having a bachelor party. I'm in a meeting. That's all. It's just a meeting. Just saying, Roger, you were much, you, you weren't, you were t- perfectly comfortable lying a second ago. <laughs> right? Right? But yeah, no, he's like begging Diane to say, no, please, please, just don't go. And then has a very loud conversation to stage left. Like, yeah, so Diane walks off and like Roger is now like, he's like, he's having an internal conflict, man. Yeah, he was like, I had options and now I just got to keep one option from Freaky because one already walked off. So he, there's there's a scene between him and Vincenzo where he's just like Vincenzo, what am I gonna do? I got, I got two. <laughs> what is he? I don't even know what he says. He says something about like like I I just need advice. Like what do what do, what do I do? I don't know what to do. And Vinny's just like, take a drive because Vinny is mob. He is he is the mob. he is family. <laughs> he's a made man. Yeah yeah he is. But he tell basically Vincenzo is even supporting. He's like, yeah, go for a drive, see where it takes you. Which is the only downside of Vinny. Which is innuendo for, hey, drive over to that camp where that lady is and go talk to her. Yeah, I mean, Vinny just wants what's good for him. You know, you know what? I feel like Vinny is mostly doing like he can't. Roger's his boss, maybe a little bit of his friend, but mostly his boss. I feel like he more than a, so he can't just be like, yo, that girl that you're trying to marry, bad luck, dude. But I think what he is trying to do is be like, fuck, even if you don't get with this other random chick you brought home, maybe it makes you question what you're doing because this woman is not good for this little girl whom I care for like a daughter, which you do not. <laughs> he should have just said, hey, this this rich bimbo, like she's she's not good, bro. She's not good. She's got bad vibes. She's G- not going to be a good here. mother. <laughs> if you don't take her out, I will. Well, <laughs> then he could. I'll pop her right in the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> That's have, not the lie. I have it anyway. You hit that girl, so help this me God. This is all your fault. <laughs> Lady, if you touch that child, I'll pop you one, so help me God. I'm just saying he's 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 willing to threaten a woman with violence. Why isn't he willing to tell his his I guess his best friend is his boss. His boss. Hey, she's no good for you. I mean, dumper. You, you can only do so much. Like I don't know why he asks Vinny. Like, what should I do? 
now. Like, it feels like he may have asked before and Vinny was like, yo, I don't think that lady is really good or true for you. And he was just like, I don't know. And did it like went with it and went with her anyway. So I don't know. Maybe he just picks and chooses his advice. And Vinny's like, I'm going to tell you how it is. But who knows? We don't. <laughs> but I do know that uh, Roger drives to the lake to see Diane. And at that point in time, I would say he is emotionally cheated on his fiance. Yeah. And in my head, he's the heel. Yeah. You've already saved my life, Mr. Calloway. What can I do for you? I would like to apologize for yesterday. It was very rude. I never should have taken that call, and I would like to make it up to you. Okay, and give me your car. <laughs> well, perhaps we could discuss it over lunch at a little pizza joint I saw in town. He takes. He invites her on a date. He is taking her on a date, and he has not told her that he's he's engaged. A whole step we missed. He apologized for taking that call. He apologized picking up the phone from his main chick, which upset his side chick. Yep. He drove all the way over here to apologize. <sighs> Roger. I have many other clips of what I call emotionally cheating. I don't think I need to play them all, but I'm just going to say Roger Calloway is given many outs on this. I feel like he, he can make a good mature decision here and basically tell Clarice, Hey, I know this is hard, but I don't want to do this. Um, and, and then and then go pursue Denise. Nope. What's her name? Diane. Diane. <laughs> yeah, like, he just kind of was like, yo, I don't want your good. Like, you kind of deserve the other woman because you're being, like, real ro rotten, but the child doesn't deserve that. Yeah, it's a kid's movie. Yeah. So, yeah, like, we're, we're over here. We can criticize the adults all day, but... We will. Uh, <laughs> we have. <laughs> but, um... I don't know. I guess I, that's, I, th I think that's all I really have to say about Roger. Yeah, um, he, he... We don't, we don't want to spoil too much of the movie if you want to go watch it yourself. You should watch it. It's it's not bad. It's not bad. It's a competent movie. Oh, yeah. It's a kid's film. It's like, a, it's your it's your standard fare 90s kid's movie. There's nothing bad about it. Yeah. I'd watch this over Matilda. I enjoy Matilda. I don't know why you don't like Matilda. It's gross. Well, this movie is also gross. There's some gross out humor in this I don't like, but... Food fights. But the whole thing's not gross. That's all I remember. <laughs> wow. Chocolate cake. I don't cake. even remember. Oh, gosh. It's like each is like one 90 second scene. And that's what you remember. Yep. It's a 90s gross out humor. Can't take you anywhere. But I know you wanted to talk a bit about the foster system because. Because it's important to me. Well. <laughs> you told kids me, are important to me. Yeah, you told me earlier, like we got, we went into this whole media made project. Like, yeah, saying, that's that's basically what I wanted to say, right? Like, uh, and and we said this at the very first episode, and we say it occasionally when we give the opening spiel. And when I say we, I definitely mean him. I never do that. Um, but we started this project mm, as like a not a podcast. It's just a couple's experiment to say like, Hey, let's see what media shaped our like worldviews and our humor and our, because that's what media does, right? Yeah, like yeah. it just shapes all helps to shape all aspects of you. Right? Like it is a portion of the nurture. Right. <laughs> yes. And uh, especially for the kids that grew up with TV as a babysitter. Um, it's your daycare it, babysitter. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I think that, like, it was really interesting when we were watching it through this time because, um, not that I had forgotten that 
uh, one of the main characters was an orphan. But um, at one point, she says the the in the script it says something that like is kind of really i remember going like see this right like there are so many things in like the media that i consume that has these elements that i'm drawn to because it's such an important thing to me and that is um the the treatment and like kind of almost like ignoring of older kids in foster system and then you and I can just sit here until you tell me what's really wrong. Not going to stupid butt kisses either. I was waiting for that one. They're the best I can do. Frankie's right. I am a reject. You're not a reject. It's just that most people want to adopt babies. I know. This orphan stuff is like growing up in a dog pound. Everybody wants a puppy. Just once I'd like to sleep in my own room. And that mess hits me so hard. Yep. Like, I... If you ask anyone in my life, right, I've pretty much never wanted to... This is on camera, but just in case we we get pregnant somehow. But um, I've never wanted to have biological children. That's just... Not a dream of mine. If it happens, um, don't, don't wish that evil in me. <laughs> we will be praying real hard for our hearts to get right because I don't believe any child should be treated terribly. But like, I've always had this kind of heart that like I've wanted to foster it because the world sucks, guys. Like kids, you know that the world sucks so hard. And I don't know about you listening, but I definitely grew up, as you can tell by how often I say I was bullied. I grew up constantly being thinking that I like was worth less than a lot of different people around me. A lot of the kids that I went to school with because they told me I was like that and like that I was unlovable, even though my parents loved me, that I was impossible to be around. Right. Like, and on top of that, like I grew up as a very dark skinned black girl in a community of lighter skinned folks. Uh, and that on top of it was like something that like, not just the people around me, but society like was like, mm, you are worthless, mm. you know, but I know that my parents loved me, you know, like I can definitely see it now <laughs> more than I could see it then. Um, but to be in a foster care system, to be in a system where it is systematically told to you, like you are not wanted, you know, like you were, are neglected. You don't want you aren't either you aren't wanted by the people who sh had you or they can't keep you for a number of reasons yeah, right yeah. um and on top of what you're gonna feel anyway with all of these hormones that are going on and how people see you and how it's you're stigmatized it sucks like that i could not imagine a worse kind of existence you know um, and I've like since a pretty young age, I want to say like probably around 12 or 13, really wanted to be a mom, right? But I want to be a mom to these kids that are already in the world that are already like having a time of it, right? Like yeah, I don't yeah. need to add anyone to, to this existence, but like there are plenty of people out there that do need parents that, that love them and care for them. And I know that like at that age, it's really hard because you already have a lot of hurts and a lot of um traumas to uh 
you know, um, how have you act out in a lot of different ways, but that doesn't mean you deserve love any less or patience any less than anyone else. So it's always been like so important to me um, because I can't shake that like idea that there's just an eight year old kid out there that's like, it'd be nice to have a mom. It'd be nice to have a dad too. But everyone but, just wants puppies. But everyone just wants puppies. And the people who do want me are the butt kisses who literally collect kids to run their business as child labor. You're looking for a butt kiss. Yes. Yes, I am. Do you know where he is? At the salvage yard. Where else? Harry works those poor kids to the bone. What do you mean? Why do you think he's got so many? Sorry. Yeah. It's a, it's both a sad and comedic line. Yeah. It's it's comedic because it's sad. Yeah. Like, and that's the thing. Like, that's such a real, real life thing. Like, I've got, I had, sorry, I'm going to read a little, some Wikipedia facts. Oh. Not a lot. I had it, like, saved and highlighted, Um, but my iPad decided that uh, I don't know what I'm doing and deleted it. Um, but foster care is what's primarily done in the U.S., uh, and there are some countries that still do have orphanages and work like that, but a lot more do work by a sort, a some kind of foster system. Mm -hmm. um, and in um, foster in foster systems, uh, minors are placed into wards or group homes, like by uh, either uh, private homes or state certified caregivers. But um, reading like the institution, the government. Uh, group home or foster parent is compensated for expenses unless a family, unless it, they are placed with a family member. Um, so a lot of people like the butt kisses, like we, we talked about, or that I was alluded to, we haven't super talked about it, uh, really do just adopt a bunch or a foster, a bunch of children so that they can collect the money. We talked a bit about that with Free Willy as well. Yes. Which is why I was so angry. Like, this movie but this movie does a better job with the foster system than it, Free Willy does. It oof. Yes. Yes it does. It, it was make, more affecting for It me. was more it was like more of the positive end. Like there were some things and Free Willy was like this is terrible. <laughs> but this is also how some people act. But I found this which was not fun. From August 1999 to August 2019, over 9 million American children have been removed from their homes uh, of their families and placed into foster homes, according to the feather, federal government's adoption and foster care analysis reporting system. And uh, it's just it's just a lot, right? Like, I'm not even going to read the percentage of children and the ages that they're in, but the higher, the older they are, like, it, the more they are taken, you know? Um, and sometimes children are moved around a lot. Like sometimes it's, it's just a lot. <laughs> it's just a lot. And then one of the thing, uh, and of all of the um, statistics and stuff, the thing that like mo is most representative of the line we just heard is 90% of foster children under the age of two are adopted. Mm. So this movie speak in truth. Yeah. It's a comedy and there's like things that like don't super like do, but like, or that they don't like super delve into, but there is a lot of truth in it. It's a lot of like, in my, you know, like sad stuff where I'm just kind of like, that's, that's real. It's, it's real and it's important. Right. But it's things like this that I think I, I wish there were more forms of media that like portrayed it well i've seen quite a few films we're not going to like 
see too many in this um, show because they are shows that I, movies that I watch, but I don't necessarily rewatch them over and over because they make me angry or sad. Um, but I think there does need to be more of a showing, I guess. Representation. More representation um, for Vis- these kinds of things. Visibility. Yeah, like visibility. Like we, there's so many like basketball and sports movies. Like, yeah, cool, sports. I mean, they can be really exciting and exhilarating, but I think like this is something that people should speak more on and like be more aware of. I agree. And uh, I think it's cool that it takes two, the Mary Kate Nashley movie, affected you in such a way. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the best way to end this conversation. Huh. So that's It Takes Two. Uh, like, would you recommend it? Do you think people should? Yeah, guys, totally watch it. It's like, it's a movie. It's cool. You should see that Robert Calloway is trash. Robert? Like, Rupert? I'm like, it, yeah, watch If you got kids, watch it with your kids. Like, I'm like, it's not a bad movie. Yeah. Like, I feel like it's... There were times where I was like, this movie's really dumb. Like, it's like a dumb cookie cutter movie in a lot of ways. But yeah. It's like, it's it's really inoffensive. Uh, there's there's nothing in there. I was like, oh, that's horrible. I don't want to watch Except this Except the movie. food fight. Except for the food fight. <laughs> but honestly, like, I'm like, yeah, it's it's totally fine. It's serviceable. It's serviceable. a movie. It's yeah. a Mary Kate Nashley movie. It's going it, to be fine. If it's free on a streaming service, why not? Yeah. So that's that. Let's see how this movie was received. It takes two gross $19.5 million at the box office, making it the highest performing Mary-Kate Nashley theatrical feature. Nice. Good job. This is their... Ever? This is their Everest. Wow. Yeah. The film, however, did not receive a positive recession from critics. Well... Quite the opposite. Uh, with the consensus being that it's tolerable, but not particularly good. <laughs> uh, the Los Angeles Times called the film, quote, a predictable but fun romp. And Grandpa Ebert called it, quote, harmless and f- fitfully amusing with oh a, quote, numbingly predictable plot. Well, we did guess lines. <laughs> we did. <laughs> Sometimes verbatim. Uh, while the Washington Post said that the script and story had the, quote, banal plastic style of a network sitcom. Yeah, I In guess. some ways, because it does feel like it could be a TV movie, like, stepped up, you yeah. know, a little bit. I mean, that's, I mean, that's fair, but it is also Mary-Kate and Ashley who had really just done TV. True. True. This was their first theatrical feature. Yeah. So, uh, Mary-Kate and Ashley were both nominated for Best Performance by an Actress Under, under the Age of 10 at the, young, uh, at the Young Artist Awards, and they collectively won the Kids' Choice Award for Favorite Movie Actress, with Kirstie Alley also nominated for that award. Nice. I guess. <laughs> the kids liked it. Yeah. And I think that's all that matters. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So as far as legacy goes, like this movie, not much of a legacy. <laughs> it's, it, it, I'm, it's due for a remake that no one wants. That's, you know? that's fair. It's like due for a redundant remake. Like someone in the studio is probably like, hey, that Mary Kay and Ashley movie with the twins. Let's make a new one. Diane would be played by uh, Mary Kate. Uh, no, they, they wouldn't come back. I mean, that would be fun. Elizabeth- they wouldn't come back. They didn't even come back for Fuller House. Cast Elizabeth Olsen as Diane. Oh. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, so with that said, I have the legacy of Mary-Kate and Ashley instead. <laughs> so Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen would continue to develop their brand through film, television, video, and a slew of licensed products. At one point, tweens could buy Mary-Kate and Ashley branded clothes, shoes, purses, hats, books, CDs and cassette tapes, fragrances and makeup, magazines, video and board games, dolls, posters, calendars, telephones, and CD players. Dang. The twins also ran their own fan club and magazine. 
They ran it themselves. Well, they're their brand. Got it. They're agents. Right. Um, Mary Kay and Ashley Olsen starred together for the last time in 2004's New York Minute. That was not a good movie. I don't remember. That was not a good movie. <laughs> Though they each have starred in a few projects independently since then, the twins, ha- the twins have primarily focused on careers in the fashion industry. What do their clothes look like? In 2006, they co-founded luxury fashion brand The Row after Ashley Olsen challenged herself to create the perfect t-shirt. Okay. They Their brand is like, it's like, I think they call it like homeless chic or something. Okay. It's like they, they sell trashy clothing. <laughs> like All right. That, for they, much money. That's their thing. I mean, okay. <laughs> uh, they have since launched several fashion brands, including Elizabeth and James, named after their siblings, siblings uh, Olsen Boy, and Style Mint. <laughs> I think I've heard of Style Mint. Over the course of their careers, the Olsen Twins have won numerous Young Artist Awards, Kids' Choice Awards, and... Designers of the Year Awards by the Council of Fashion Designers of America. Okay. They won fashion awards. I mean, I haven't seen their stuff, and also I'm not a fashion person, so sure. But those are the Olsen twins, and that is It Takes Two. When will we be talking about the Olsons again? Never. <laughs> At least I don't think so. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, we're going to close. So like, the movie is named It Takes Two. It's named after a Marvin Gaye song. Uh, but we're not going to close out with that. We're going to close out with the better It Takes Two song. Oh, my gosh. Which is It Takes Two by Rob Bass and DJ Easy Rock. Oh, dear. I'm going to rock right now. I'm Rob Bass and I came to get down. <laughs> so with that, we will see you on the other side with my movie of Twins in their first big screen comedy hit. It takes two for sale on video. Critics call it absolutely delightful. A double dose of fun. Kirstie Alley, Steve Gutenberg, and Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen. It takes two now for sale on video. back with the honestly the best part of my movie like oh gosh. this song I mean, right you're here not wrong. oh gosh man this this song is so freaking good this is eye to eye by tevin campbell aka what's his name in the movie powerline powerline uh yep from my movie um and i'm sure if you grew up in the 90s you probably saw this one everyone's seen this movie you've seen this movie right i did you made me watch it what is that movie well powerline no, a Powerline movie would be something. That's true. Would be something. <laughs> uh, released April 7th, 1995, directed by Kevin Lima, featuring the voice talents of Bill Farmer, Jason Marsden, Jim Cummings, Kelly Martin, Jenna Von Oy, 
Wallace Shawn, and Pauly Shore. That movie is a goofy movie. This movie is goofy. Because goofy, is it? Because Goofy's in it. Okay. That's it. But it's not otherwise goofy. It's like, what other, what, what else are you going to call it, right? You got to call it the Goofy movie, right? It's either a Goofy movie or the Goofy movie. It's sort of like that 70s show. It's like the, the Goofy movie. A Goofy Vacation? Goof Travel? Instead of Goof Troop? Goof Troop the movie? That, that's the only thing that I could think of. But yeah, so Goofy movie. Here we are. Here we Disney, are. Disney, once again. Once again. <laughs> once again. How, how do we keep They ruled getting... the 90s for me. They did. Yeah, they did for you. <laughs> I was a Goofy boy. Oh. <laughs> Disney you're... boy. You were a Disney baby. I was. Did you watch this movie as a kid? I'm sure I saw it. Not enough to leave an impression? No, you know, I think, like, obviously the power... I don't know, like, I, I, it's one of those things where I know the power line. Like, it's like, I don't know the song or anything, but when it played, I was like, oh, yeah, this. So I definitely watched it. You know, there's sometimes you just watch something, but it doesn't sink into your sure, mindscape. Sure. Yeah, for me, it was like, we had this movie on VHS, so I wore that thing out. Like, I just watch it. As, it, as kids do, you watch it over and over and over again. So, mm -hmm. like, there, you know, just lines from this movie just in my brain. Right. I hear the beginning of the line. I repeat it. It just happens. It's the <laughs> way it is, you know. And then, you know, it's funny. Like, I went probably, like, 15 years without watching this movie ever, you know. Like, once you grow out of it, it's just, like, you lost the time. But then about 10 years ago, right, I was, like, scrolling the internet. And I heard this song somewhere, right, Eye to Eye by Powerline. And I was just, like... It was like it all came back to me. I was like, "Whoa! I need to watch it right now." That, that movie's. I love that song. I know all <laughs> the words. That's crazy. Let's go back and rewatch Goofy movie, and now I, you know, rewatch it regularly. Yeah, pretty pretty often. <laughs> it's love, almost like The Lion King. <laughs> I love it. Uh, you know, I, I, it's it's has many faults. I'm not gonna you know not gonna deny that, but it, I don't know, man. It's but just, it's like it's several of your. It's a very cozy movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, Goofy movie. The basic gist is, oh, I have I have a clip, plot clip. You, you all know Goofy, right? The Disney guy. Never heard of him. Disney dog. Mm mm. Pluto. Going somewhere, Pop? Sure, hello, Rooney. Cool. Uh, have a good time, Dad. If you're gonna be gone more than a month, drop me a line. But Max, this isn't just my vacation. It's a vacation with me and my best buddy. Oh, Donald Duck. No, silly. With you. Goofy and his son go on a road trip together. I did not agree to this. That's the movie. That's the movie. Yeah. Uh, so, it, you know, there's plenty of Disney hijinks. There's, it's a road movie, so there's plenty of road tripping and crazy antics and hijinks. and All the things you would expect from yeah. a goofy being <laughs> on the road. A goof on the road. Plus, Pl it's a musical. It is, it is a musical. I'll talk about that in a little bit. So, uh, Goofy Movie. Um, I have history to get into. All right. So, <laughs> I'm going to try to get through this history quickly. Okay. Because that last segment was an hour and a half. <laughs> it was an hour and 40. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> um, so, 1932. <laughs> That's... How are we going to go quick? <laughs> okay, 1932 saw the debut of the character Goofy in Walt Disney's popular Mickey Mouse cartoons. While first introduced as an older dog named Dippy Dog, with W, Dippy Dog. Okay. Uh, in the short Mickey's Review, Goofy, as we know him now, first appeared later that year in the short The Whoopie Party. 
Whoopi meant something different in 1932 what than it did. What did it mean? I don't know. Then it's the same Fun thing. and fancy free? Nope. If you don't find, if you didn't come with the definition, then I'm going to say that it means the same thing. <laughs> Making Whoopi. Yes. Uh, throughout the 1930s, Goofy frequently starred alongside Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck, forming a trio, and he was given his own series of shorts starting in 1939. By the 1950s, Goofy was reimagined as an everyman-type character, oftentimes called George Geef. George Geef? That's his, that was his, his, his good Christian name. Geef? George Geef. Uh, it reflecting that era's growing middle-class suburban demographic. Okay. So, like, go, uh, you, you know those shorts, right? It's like Goofy is like a, there was a narrator mm-hmm. who would, like, narrate Goofy's actions while Goofy learned how to do, like, normal suburban yeah, like things. Yeah, like setting up a... Television set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going yeah. skiing, playing football. Yes. Like, it was just like, Goofy became the American everyman. And it was weird. Like, in retrospect, that's really strange. But... <laughs> That's, that, that, that was what that was what happened. And I definitely watched. We needed an everyman. Because I, I watched those like old shorts on the Disney Channel. You know, I feel like Donald would be more of a everyman. Sorry, I said Donald, but my brain was like, wait, is that the Looney Two ones? No, that's Daffy. Like, Donald Donald was like angry though. Like yeah. he was too angry and like I don't know, violent to be an American everyman. He wasn't mild mannered enough. Okay. He went to war and fought the Nazis. Okay. So he's just the grumpy old man who gets off, get off of my lawn. Yeah, yeah. While Mickey's the rich, the mouse suit in the mansion. Even by the fifties, I would think like Mickey was already the co- the corporate spokesman. You know? Yeah. Like he was already the corporate mouse. <laughs> he could be the everyman, and he couldn't be the angry, violent, you know, uh, ornery character. So. so he's the American dream, well to do, from mouse to riches, <laughs> from rats to riches. Oh dear. <laughs> Uh, for 40 years later, uh, this everyman father persona that Goofy had developed would help inspire a Goofy-centric sitcom for the Disney Afternoon block in 1992 called Goof Troop, which starred Goofy as a single father raising his son Max in middle America. It, did they name a, a town that I, I don't think so. I, I, they might have. I don't remember. It's right but. next down. It's right next to Duckbird. Duckbird. <laughs> you know, it might as well like be in that that like universe. Yeah. Yeah. But like, uh, we we skipped over Goof Troop. That was one of the only Disney Afternoon shows we didn't watch. But it was definitely a runner up for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I like looked it up. I was like, Max, as we know him, was a you know Disney Afternoon creation. There wasn't really a Max character quite like that, but. The 1950s period, where there was a, you know, everyman Goofy, mm-hmm. uh, there was an introduction of Goofy's son, who was then referred to as Goofy Jr. He oh. was first introduced in the 1951 short, Fathers Are People. <laughs> so Goofy's always been a father. Fathers are people. That feels, I don't know, insulting. That's an insulting title. It assumes that somebody thinks fathers aren't people. Wait, to teach kids to respect their fathers in the oh. 1950s. They just got back from World War II. They don't want to put up with your crap. Oh. They fought the Nazis. They watched their, their friends die on the beach. <laughs> they don't need to be... It's not funny. They don't need to hear no lip from their kids. <laughs> Disney's got to teach them right from wrong. Then Donald Dunk should have done it. <laughs> Goofy needs to teach them right from wrong. Uh, but yeah, so like... Goofy being a single father was like in his DNA, so why not make a sitcom out of it in the 90s? Yeah. For, for the new generation. Goof Troop's run of 78 episodes ran from September 1992 to, any guesses? 
no. December 92. Oh, God. They ran through 78 episodes in two months. That's impressive and very, very distinctly un-Disney. As far as, like, it's just like they re-ran those 78 episodes over and over and over again for years on, on Disney Channel syndication. Mm-hmm. They, they re-ran those episodes so much, like just 78 episodes, that I was watching them when I was a kid. Yeah. Like, and like when I got home from school, I was watching Goof Troop. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I, I was barely... They were very al- not new. I was barely alive in 92. And then, you know, I was watching in, what, like, 96, 7, 8? Like, I, who knows? I'm just saying, they, Goof Troop had mileage. Yeah, they, they, they ran with that money. Yeah. So, with the show's episode order completed, Disney began developing a Goof Troop TV special. It was like a Goof Troop TV movie. But then ultimately decided to produce a theatrical film based on the show instead. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, you know, it, it was. It's kind of like it was a bold choice considering that they had set, they had written off like Disney afternoon movies mm-hmm. when Ducktales the movie, which was our nineteen ninety. Oh yeah, when it shout out do. to our nineteen ninety movies episode, but yeah, it didn't do too well, mm. and they kind of said, "Let's not do any more of these. Let's just do the TV. That's what the kids want." Yeah, but here we go. We got Goof Troop spinoff movie I in mean, theaters. They definitely, I mean, they were like, but it's goofy. <laughs> uh, the film's premise came from Disney film studio chief and petty a-hole, Jeffrey Katzenberg. Uh... So according to Goof Troop's story supervisor and the film's first draft screenwriter, Jim Megan, quote, Jeffrey Katzenberg, like a lot of parents, were struggling at the time with his teenage daughter. He said, I couldn't figure out how to get through to her, but we end up taking a car trip together. Somewhere along the way, we bonded. I wanted a story like that. I said, okay. <laughs> so one could say that Mr. Katzenberg had a case of dad guilt. This movie was the result of get dad guilt. Yeah, that, that tracks. That tracks. But I guess we could also say Katzenberg is goofy. In a way. Yeah. He, I guess he saw himself in goofy. Yeah. Kevin Lima who had worked on films like The Brave Little Toaster, Oliver and Company, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, and The Lion King. Can you think of what all those movies have in common? We've talked about all of them. Yes, we have. Would you like <laughs> to hear about any of those movies in depth? Check our catalog. Yeah. Um, anyway, he was brought on to work as the director. Um, Lima said in 1995 that, quote, instead of just keeping Goofy one-dimensional as he's been in the past, we wanted to give an emotional side that would add to the emotional arc of the story. We wanted the audience to see his feelings instead of just his antics. In the movie or in the TV show, would you say he was flat? No, I don't think so. Two dimensions? Like, I, I was like. You were as, also a child. Yeah, I was also a child. I was like, I feel like everyone in the 90s, Goofy was their dad. <laughs> For a lot of kids, Goofy was their dad. Uncle Phil. You know? <laughs> you, can have, you can have two dads. That's true. <laughs> uh, Lima was also responsible for keeping actor Jeff Farmer uh, on board as the voice of Goofy, as Katzenberg wanted a more marketable star like Steve Martin to play Goofy. No. Yeah, it's stupid. This is the Aladdin thing. Sit down, Katzenberg. Oh, he's out. <laughs> he's gone. Oh, he's gone at this point? Uh, by the time Goofy Movie came out, yes, he was gone from Disney. Well, see ya. He, uh, he made Disney CEO Michael Eisner a little mad, and he got canned. So, bye-bye. Bye-bye. For now. Bye. Ta-ta for now. 
we're not done yet with Mr. Katzenberg. The pity a-hole will return. Because a Goofy movie had a considerably smaller budget than Walt Disney Feature Animation projects, the film was jointly produced by Walt Disney Feature Animation, Walt Disney Television Animation, and Disney Movie Tunes, with outsourcing to Walt Disney Animation France, Walt Disney Animation Australia, and various other international studios. That was a lot. Everyone had their hands in a Goofy movie. Everyone had Goofy hands. Gloved hands. (laughs) (laughs) They need to keep all those gloves on. Um, the film was planned for release Thanksgiving 1994, but it had to be delayed after animators realized that the monitor they were using to capture the film's animation had a single dead pixel. Oh no! I, I, I relate to that so so heavily. Like so, you know, and it's it's funny to think about this, but legit, even into the 90s, this is how animation would work. They would have a big old monitor, right, like a giant TV screen, and and they would just have a camera pointed at this screen and they would just show a frame, take a picture of it, go to the next frame, take a picture of it, next frame, take a picture. So they're taking thousands and thousands and thousands of pictures of a day of all this animation so that they can play them at 30 frames a second and you've got a movie. Right, right, right. (laughs) They realize, oh crap, there's a dead pixel on the screen. (laughs) That's, I couldn't imagine. Like if that had been, if that had been me and I came home the night after, like figuring like we have to start over, I would just be, I would walk in and you'd be like, hey babe, how's your day? Don't talk to me. Don't touch me. I am in a desert. <laughs> I'm like, I would just be done. I would fall apart. I would allow myself to fall apart for 24 hours before getting back to it. That sounds horrid. Just horrid. <laughs> uh, nearly three quarters of the film had to be reshot. Ugh. Now, luckily they had all the drawings done. It's just a matter of putting them up on the screen and recording, you know, just capturing those clips. Horrid. Yeah. That is Goofy Movie. Oh. Yeah. That's pretty simple. Yeah, it, it's not too bad. I just, you know, had a lot of Goofy, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of other things going on in Goofy's life between 1932 and now, but, you know. Nah, but that's yeah, fine. Yeah, you yeah. did keep it pretty quick, down yeah, to yeah, 15 yeah. minutes. <laughs> so, a Goofy Movie. Where should we start? I guess we're the main characters, At right? the end. Oh. No. All right. Who are the main characters of a Goofy movie? Uh, we've got the Goofs. George Geef? No. We've got uh, Mr. Geef himself. Goofy. <laughs> and his son, Max. Yes. Morning, son. Dad. Oops. I forgot. Morning, son. Came to see if you had any dirty clothes. Well, there they are. Help yourself. Wax. Thought we talked about this. Yeah, look, I'm sorry, Dad. I'll, I'll take care of it later. So it's just you know, you got you got Goofy and Max living their own suburban life. Yeah, Goofy is a maniac, though. We discussed this, or at least I ranted about it when we watched the movie. But um, it's 7 a.m. Goofy is freshly showered, wrapped in a towel. Coming to collect laundry in his son's room while also vacuuming. It is 7 a.m. on a weekday. He is a monster. I assume it's a Friday. I'm, afraid, I'm surprised he didn't wake like wake Max up and tell him, like, hey, it's time You're for late school. for school. You got to get ready. Like, yeah, that's also very rude. He was probably just going to wake him up by vacuuming by his head. What kind of insidious beast is he? Well, Goofy, Goofy's a weirdo. Yes. He's a goof. He's a geef indeed. Um, I have an f- interesting fact here. No, more, more Katzenberg meddling. Okay. 
uh, Jeff Farmer, uh, the the voice actor of Goofy, like mm-hmm. the guy, like he's the, he's been Goofy for thirty years, right, forty right. years. Uh, Jeff Farmer was initially asked by Jeffrey Katzenberg to give Goofy a regular speaking voice as opposed to the character's signature cartoonish voice, much to the confusion of Farmer, who insisted that audiences wanted to hear Goofy that they were all familiar with. Yeah. Katzenberg was like, no, just have him talk normal. No. He's like, it's my story. That's also why I was like, I was confused or surprised that Katzenberg was like, I want this story to be told about bonding with your child on a road trip. That he was like, yeah, Goofy is the vehicle with which to do this. Like, it almost seems like he would have been like, create a whole new thing. Hey, Jeff, can you just talk like me? Yeah, that's (laughs) what it feels like. I can't see myself in Goofy unless you talk like me. Oh, man. Oh, oh. (laughs) After recording in this manner for a week and a half, according to Farmer, Michael Eisner and Roy E. Disney told Farmer to speak in Goofy's original voice, after after which the dialogue was re-recorded as such. Cooler heads prevailed. Yes, I kind of want to see the cut with Goofy speaking in a normal voice. Though. I wonder if yeah, I wonder if any of that made it. I don't know. I have to look that look into that. But anyway, um, so as I mentioned earlier, um, it, very quickly you realize that this is '90s Disney. Mm-hmm. All of their features need to be musicals. This movie is a musical. I don't rem- like. Even when I like revisited it, I didn't rem- really remember it being a musical. Yeah. I remembered the Powerline songs. Mm-hmm. You know, who's Powerline? Who was he anyway? It's only Powerline, Dad, the biggest rock star on the planet. Oh, a lot bigger than Xavier Cougat, the Mambo King. Oh, gosh. That's such a dad thing to say. <laughs> Xavier Cougat was a real person, by the way. Was he a Mambo King? I, I don't know. Uh, but <laughs> but Powerline, uh, like, his songs are great. If the movie had just been Powerline songs, that would have been fine. Yeah. Uh, I, I, looked, I looked into it. We, we talked about this when we watched it. But I said, who is Powerline based on? And apparently, he is based on real-life pop stars like Michael Jackson, Prince, and Bobby Brown. So We did, we did say all of those people. Yeah. I think st- aesthetically, he's more like Bobby Brown than the other two. Yeah. There's like a Michael Jackson cameo at some point where like you see a like a glittery glove coming out of a limousine yeah. on the road. But yeah, so like the Powerline songs are excellent. Tevin Campbell, shout out like Tevin. He's perfect. Like his songs are so good for this movie. Yeah. Um every time they play a Powerline song is great. But there's like normal like show tune uh, uh musical theater type songs in the movie. There's three of them, I guess. Oh, I don't know. I can't remember. There's there's one I'm going to play here in a second called After Today. It's the opening song. It's basically like your ensemble opening number slash I want song. You've got, I think it's On the Open Road. Right. Which is Goofy and Max. Heading out of the city, starting their trip. And it's just, you know, them seeing a bunch of crazy, wacky characters out on the open road. Mm-hmm. And then the last one is... Uh, like a montage song, right? Like, Well, yeah, but that's like along. an instrumental. Okay. But there's the... no. Nobody else but you. It's where Goofy and Max right their wrongs and and reconcile and and oh, they're on the car. Yeah, got it. Yep. Yes. That's like the the right before the climax of the movie when it's they sing like, a song. <laughs> they sing a song, and it's like all those songs. This might be an unpopular opinion. If you disagree with me, let me know on Twitter or wherever you may see me. Uh, but I think all of the songs, other than the Powerline songs, are terrible. They're, they're, mm, it's, it doesn't help that like 
the songs are done in the characters speaking voices. So Goofy sings like Goofy talks and Max is doing a little bit of the like Johnny Cashin where he's just talking to a tune. And so he's just kind of like snotty teenager. I think they got the voice actor of Max to do his own singing, not get like a sound alike singer. Yeah. Uh, and, And like most of the like, the musical numbers are like wacky, mm-hmm. like cartoony, right? Right, right, right. Where they're just like random weird characters who will sing parts and make jokes. Like when they're on the open road, like you, there's like Nashville singers and yeah, there's nuns. Weird. There's just two people in a car that seem to be just getting married. They sing something about yeah. something. So to give you an example. There is the opening number, which is called After Today, and it's. Right at the start of the movie, Max wakes up, says hi to his dad, um, and heads out to... The last day of school. Last day of school. They've been laughing since I can remember, but they're not gonna laugh anymore. No more Maxie the Geek, no more Goof of the Week like before. No more algebra tests till September. No more looking at losers like him. No more having to cheat. No more mystery me. No more Jim. No more Jim. No more Jim. No more Jim. It's a bunch of random high school characters that you don't even know or meet late yeah. ever uh, singing about the last day of school and how excited they are. So excited. It. Yeah. And like, I'm like, usually with like, I think like with the opening number of a song, you know, of a musical, right? Mm-hmm. It's there to establish the characters, the setting. And what the world thinks about the main characters, right? And like, right. I guess this is serviceable. It does kind of those things. Like, characters call Max a geek. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they sling jock straps at him. It's real gross. Uh, how do how come that gross up humor doesn't bother you? It's a little gross. I don't really. <laughs> I, I hate that song and I hate that moment. Too. It's like no more Jim, no more Jim, no more Jim. Uh, but like, it's it's kind of weird because you don't really spend a whole lot of time in the town. So it's like yeah. what what the world thinks about Max is really not that important. It should be about what Goofy and Max think of each other. Uh, yeah. I mean, I like it does set up a little bit of a premise of like, oh, this is what I think of myself, so that like the uh, the other conflict for him is like flushed out or painted even more sharply. But for there to be a whole song <laughs> about it is a little weird. Yeah, and and this is the song that has the most to do with the plot of the movie. The other ones are just like incidental songs really. yeah like I, I guess maybe the song that goofy and max have at the end of the movie is sentimental and deals with their is important relationship so but the, the the emotional climax has already happened by that point yeah like goofy and max have already set their the problems aside and overcome their issues but going back to this opening scene um it's like a, a it's like a gag factory that's the whole point oh of this. yeah it's just like a bunch of gags a one bunch after of ca- another. Yeah, like you hear a bunch of random, like, and it's just in that clip. Like, there was like random sound effects, like him slipping on marbles and, mm-hmm. and then the jock straps, and then somebody leaning over something. It's just, it's, it's fine, I, or even less than fine in your opinion. Yeah, and I'm like that. Th- I, I want to bring it up just early because I want to get it out of the way because like the music in this movie is not good. Yeah, I don't like it. Yeah, and that's really what I wanted to point out, but. <laughs> The opening song is technically an I want song, sort of, because it, Max does yeah. sing about what he wants. What does he want? Oh, you're asking me? Yeah. To be considered cool and to not go to school. 
And to get the girl. And to get a girl. After today, she looked right through me. And who could blame her? I need a new me. Plus some positive proof that I'm not just a goof. And after today. today. He needs some positive positive proof that he's not just a goof. I don't know. Like he, I guess he, Max is feeling uh Huh. Max is feeling uh insecure about himself. He wants to be someone new. He wants to be cool. Yeah, I think that's that's the real thing. Like he's feeling very insecure about himself. As most teenagers are. Um, and I think that is that takes us out of my conversation about the music in this movie. Because hey, Powerline, thumbs up. Other songs, <laughs> thumbs down. That's my opinion on that. But let's talk about the character of Max. I know you like to talk about teenagers. <laughs> teenagers scare the living crap out of you. I was thinking about that. No, they don't. I love teens. I think teens are so much fun, especially when you can give them back to their parents. <laughs> but I was thinking about like the whole teenage experience. It's been a one while. Week? <laughs> it's been one week since I've been a teenager. <laughs> it's been quite a while since I have been a teenager. and But I like... Not so much recently, but I have in the past worked with a lot of kids um, of the teenage age and maybe a little bit younger and stuff. So I think it's such an interesting, like the portrayal, the Disney 90s portrayal of teen is something. Um, I, you know, like, I think even with uh, the line that you just had, positive proof that I'm not a goof, like he wants to get the girl because it'll prove to him that he's more than his last name. Yeah, like, yeah. that's such a sad, that's so sad. It is sad. That's And then on top of that, right, like, we're going to pull out of that. Like, that's teenage boy thing. Like, I, if I'm going to be anything to anyone, I have to look like I can get, I can pull a hot chick. The girl in the situation is just a prop. Like, by those words. That's whether, fair. Yeah. Whether he like truly likes her or not, it's really like by those words, it's not like, oh, I want, she looked right through me. I wish she could be, I'd like to hold her hand and talk and da 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 or whatever. I'm saying things is something very different than like, I need her to define me as more than just a loser. I agree with that. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I actually like, you know, watch this movie, I feel like the portrayal of, like, Max and Goofy, I think that's the best, like, part of the actual movie. You know, like, mm -hmm. the character, there's characters, by necessity, need to be the most fleshed out. Yeah. Um, but I think they do a good job of presenting Max as a very real teenager. And, yeah. you know, it's been a while since I've watched Goof Troop. Um, it's been a while. Um, <laughs> but I would think that if you're coming straight off of Goof Troop, like, if you're watching Goof Troop on Saturday or, uh, like, you know, Friday afternoon... Uh, you watch an episode of Goof Troop, and then you immediately go into the theater to watch a Goofy movie. Mm -hmm. It would be quite a jarring experience to see how much Max has changed. Because mm -hmm. in the show, I don't remember, like, you know, he could be a little brat or something. But I always felt like he was kind of like a happy-go-lucky, like, positive kid. Yeah. Excited, who loved his dad. <laughs> um, but in this, like, he's just a rotten teenager. He hates just his dad. Moody. He's, he doesn't hate his dad. He is constantly like embarrassed, He's embarrassed by yeah. his father like and like i feel this right here Waxy, wait up you forgot your lunch have a good day <laughs> kissing him 
<laughs> on his way out, you know? I will always kiss my kids on their way out. I remember, so my dad never, like, embarrassed me in that way. But, like, there were times when, so my dad, like, my mom generally would drop me off at school, like elementary school, right? But sometimes, whenever my dad would, it would be like, I'd be in his truck, and, you know, I'm in the front seat, and we'd be driving, and we get to the place where he's going to drop me off. And he legit, like, there would be a little girl that would look about my age. He doesn't know who this girl is. He'd never seen her before. He would roll down his window and say, hey, do you know my son? <laughs> and I would go, oh, my gosh. Why are you doing this? It was very embarrassing. And uh, uh, so I, re- I, I definitely relate to Max's uh, embarrassment here. Yeah. I, nope, never been embarrassed ever in my life. By a parent, I'm sure I have. I just can't think of any. Block all those memories out. I, you know, but I think that, like, it is shown very clearly that he is embarrassed by his dad and his biggest fear is to turn into his dad because the movie literally opens with a a dream sequence, which is a nightmare of him, like, getting to hang out with this girl he likes and then suddenly transforming into his father and he wakes up uh, screaming because it's a literal nightmare. So, which is like, you know, a thing that kids can definitely feel, but usually not when they're from an, a supportive household. Yeah. You know, like, I can understand like uh, his friend, uh, Pete. Nope. What's yeah, Pete, the kid's name? Pete. Okay. Pete not wanting to, t- are they both Pete? Uh-huh. Oh, Pete not wanting to turn into his dad uh, and being like, I want to avoid that at all PJ. costs. PJ. Oh, yeah. Pete Jr. PJ not wanting to turn into Pete and being like, I want to avoid that. But, like, Goofy's a good dad. He is. We talked about freaking Steve Gutenberg from that last movie. Where we were like, yeah, he's just a dad with a heart of gold, but he's forgetful. It's like, no, no. Goofy's a dad with a heart of gold who's yeah. forgetful. Yeah. And weird. You're like, you know, just kind of a goof. Yeah. And it's also like, you can see he really wants to connect with Max, but Max is like doing so much to just put a wall up because he's so afraid of turning into a loving, caring father who is doing all he, you know, kind of thing, which is very teenage. Yeah. I was like, that's a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. As someone who did that as a teenager, put walls up and like, you know, there were times when I did connect with my dad and my Mm -hmm. mom, like what happened? But then there were other times when it was just like, I, I I don't I don't want anything to do with you. Yeah. Like, leave me alone. Yeah. Stop. Let me live my life. You know, mom. Gosh. Yeah. It's like I, unfortunately that's just I think it's just the way the body works. So wild though, Teenage right? Brain. Because like you're not wrong. I don't know that I yeah I probably did it to some extent. I'm sure that I could call my mom up and she'd be like, yeah, every four days you were having a fit. But like. As an adult, my brain is like this kid being like, just leave me alone. I just want my space. I don't know why you're all up in. It's my house. That's not your room. That's my room that I let you stay in. I can understand why some parents like have a bit of a fit. Because <laughs> I'm just kind of like, what do you mean? Yeah. Why are you just be- like, especially if like I'm working real hard to be a good parent. You T- know, teenagers are rotten. Uh, so are parents sometimes, yeah. let's be honest. Anyway, we talked about uh, Max. Oh, he- wait, I wanted to say one more thing. I just think like it's really interesting that like this kind of weird duality of Max that like he is doing all these things like, I don't want to be seen as a loser. I want to be something cool. But like we see him like get really excited about AV. Like, and it's for a reason he's doing a thing. But obviously like he's like, oh, the outputs and ugh, this new thing. It was like. Okay, but you like these things. Yeah. You know, that's also a failing on Goofy's part there. It's like Max 
he doesn't know who Powerline is, right? And he's like, who was he anyway? It's like, just Powerline Dad, right? Mm-hmm. And Goofy doesn't say, oh, tell me about Powerline. Why, why do you enjoy him? What, what, is, what, what, kind of, what, what kind of music does he play? You never like, ask me those things about Stray Kids. <laughs> why don't you want to hear my music, Rodney? Am I your father? <laughs> you could be No, I did <laughs> I'm tired. What I'm saying is that Goofy doesn't doesn't you know reach out yeah. on that level. You yeah, know, yeah, it's yeah. like he just says he's not like the Mambo King, and then proceeds to dance with him. Yeah, and I think that's probably because he still sees Max as like a, a little, child, little right? Boy, like, yeah. and he's just like, I'm just gonna make you laugh and dance with you. Yeah, because that, maybe that worked. Yeah, when, when Max was eight, it totally would have. Yeah, whereas like now it's like, no, Dad, I, I'm a I'm a we're growing. I'm up. a big boy. <laughs> I'm a big boy now. <laughs> I'm a big kid now. <laughs> anyway, um, we talked about Max uh, having a crush on a girl. That girl's name is Roxanne. Roxanne. Every I feel like a lot for a lot of young boys, they're their first crush. And some young girls. Maybe so. Not not me. I was too young. You were not a young girl. Yeah, I was not. But <laughs> I, yeah, I was. I, I think I was a little too young to be smitten with Roxanne. But a lot of boys were. Anyway. Are you all right? Yeah, yeah, I'm okay. I just, uh, don't, I just stare. I was, I came and I, I was saying, I didn't get, I don't think I ever ran from a girl when I was in high school where, like, I, I felt that I had embarrassed myself and ran away. He sounded like a Wookiee at the end. He hits the, ah! <laughs> I've run from plenty of girls <laughs> because they're scary. <laughs> no, that's fair. I I'm trying to th- I'm trying to rack my brain. Did I run from a crush at any point as a teenager? I might have. I might have just like, you know, like maybe gone in with a plan and the plan didn't work and just I'm out of here. Abort mission. You know, I think the only time as a teenager, because we're not going to go farther back into that history. I've blocked the time off. The only time that I would ever like run from a crush is because I have I had bad friends, and they'd be like, "Hey, hey, so and so, hey Rodney, Jessica, did you do you think someone likes you?" And I'd have to leave because that's how they thought it was. Yeah, funny. I, I did that too. Yep, you did that to people. Yeah, we can't be friends. No, no, I ran from people. Got it. Got I ran it, got from it. the I people. I thought you were like telling, like oh, no, no, outing I, your friends no, to their crush. No, no, I ran from the people. Yes. They tried to out me. Yes. Yes. Like, bye now. Bye now. Um, How come you didn't run when people outed you to me? Because you, you were running after me, that's fine. I probably ran. <laughs> Don't know. Um, so Max does something to impress Roxanne. Mm-hmm. What is that? He pretends to be Spider-Man. What? He pretends to be Spider-Man. That's you fine. didn't see him slinging from the webs? He trends to be Powerline. <laughs> no. No. You know, he, he dresses up like Powerline and puts on a show for the whole school. Like he, At the closing assembly for the year. Yeah, I guess so. And he, they, they cut into the school's AV system and they get like big monitors. And he does a whole music video for yeah. the whole school. Who helps him out? Uh, his, his buddies, PJ, which is little Pete Jr. Yeah. And do you remember his name? Cheese? <laughs> Who plays this character? Polly Shore. Polly Shore plays a kid named Bobby. Bobby. Wow, look, all, all this is for us? Mmm, slurpage. Oh, this is gonna be so great, man. Dude, need fundage, bro. 
Oh, your feet. Yeah, yeah, right here. Shout out to our 1993 episode, The Darkest of Timelines, where <laughs> we was, talked about Pauly Shore's son-in-law. It was The Darkest of Timelines. Uh, apparently, Pauly Shore did this movie uncredited. His name was not not there. Huh. Yeah. But we definitely know it's Pauly Shore. Oh, yeah. We know it's him. Like, absolutely. But Slurpage. Like, yeah. I, I don't know why he wasn't credited in this, but can I make a theory? Sure. Maybe this was the movie. This movie was a reason why... Disney fought to keep <laughs> Pauly Shore on contract for so, you know, so hard. Huh. Uh, I don't know. Because Maybe. It's like Katzenberg, he wanted to make this movie about his teenage daughter. And, you know, he's like, I want Pauly Shore in this movie because he's funny. He makes my daughter laugh. I don't know. Oh, wow. Say, so, hey, Pauly. So give him the smallest part possible. <laughs> Pauly, stay with the company. Don't leave. <laughs> make son-in-law. Oh, gosh. That sounded like a threat. Stay with the yes. company. Yes. That's what Katzenberg does. Eek. So, yeah, he, uh, Max puts on this show, impresses the girl, but also gets in, in big, big trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he does impress the girl. Yeah. Which, for him, is the most important thing. Um, I, I liked your dance. Yeah. Yeah? Uh, yeah, it's from Powerline's new video. I know. He's he's totally genius. Uh, yeah, he's uh, he's doing a concert next week in L.A. Oh, yeah. Stacy's showing it at her party. Yeah. 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 Who's Stacy? Hey, Stacy! Talk to me, talk to me, talk to me, baby. <laughs> I don't have that clip. I'm surprised I didn't. I was I like I set you up for that. You didn't get the clip. I didn't get the clip. Even though you made a 10-hour video of it. I didn't make a 10-hour video of it. No, no, no. Stacy is a random... No, Stacy is the friend of Roxanne. A random dude in the crowd yells cat calls to her for all a random rockets. trekkie in the crowd oh yeah <laughs> sorry he's like little little kid dressed as spock, spock. or well, kirk yeah you know yeah 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 sure a lot of trekkie nerds in the in the animation team back then i just don't understand why we in our regular life quote that so much talk to me talk to me baby yeah sorry unrelated yeah oh, sorry. off topic but i'm saying yeah stacy is Roxanne's friend. Right. But Dress, we don't she care. Dresses, she dresses like a hippie. She does. Because there is 60s nostalgia in the 90s. Yes. And she also has pay-per-view. Yes. So she's inviting all of her friends over to watch the Powerline concert on pay-per-view. Yes. Which was the thing that kids did in the 90s. I didn't. Me neither. <laughs> oh, well. And, of course, Max asked Roxanne to the, to the concert date. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Roxanne, I was... Uh... Sort of kind of thinking that maybe I'd um, ask you to <coughs> go with me, that is, to the party. Of course, if you don't want to, I'd completely understand. Well, I was sort of kind of thinking that I'd love to. Yeah? Yeah. Good. Great. Terrific. Wonderful. All right. Okay. Okay. A silly thing, but like... He's like, I was wondering if you'd like to come to the party with you. I was like, excuse me, it's my best friend's party. Do you want to come to the party with me? I'm invited. What's the plan here? Is he going to like just go to her house and like, hey, let's walk to your friend's house and then yes. just hang out with all of everyone together? That is the safest way to have a first date. Yes. I guess, yeah, I guess. he's no, no, <laughs> no pressure. He's not taking it to dinner or anything. Yeah. Yeah, okay. It's fair enough. Okay. But I will say, as a teenage boy, inviting a girl out on a date was one of the hardest things ever 
as a teenager. The most nerve wracking. It was horrible. I like, believe you. I, I I think back like I'm like if I was if I was if I was still single, I don't think it would be any easier. You know what? I think it's so interesting because I mean I don't ask anybody on a date, but I wonder what like the youths today feel about that because it's so different, right? Like it's so different from when we were kids because I would I. Mm, I never found I never found the right way to do it. Like yeah. I was never a master. Like this was a fluke. <laughs> me and you. Me and you. That's fair. I don't I don't know that you ever asked me. Eh, you asked me. We went. Mm-hmm. We did. That's fine. It, it in groups. It was great. I think that it's hard. One. But also, as a female, I was never expected to ask anyone on a date. It's yeah, now, that's what it's I'm now saying. changing that's, out. Yeah. yeah, I'm relating to this more because this is a man. Like, this yeah. is what we did. So I'm like, I think back and like, I did a many, like, I tried to many different, it was like, ask in person, you know? Yeah. And it's like, just like. Nerve wracking. It's like, what What do you do? Like, you walk up to a girl, like, in the hallway after class? Like, and I, I did that a few times. Mm-hmm. D- didn't Those didn't work out. Didn't, didn't go on dates with those girls, oh. you know? Or like, hey, do I just go? walk up to her after school and like there were times when i'm like listening to music to psych myself up like come on you just gotta go over there and talk to her they just they just chicken out like don't do it you're so cute <laughs> oh and then there's also the do it on facebook <laughs> ew yeah that, that, you know i got a date out of facebook and i got a date out of myspace so ew yeah. <laughs> That seems to say sketch. social. Not not like someone I didn't know. We were friends. Anything on MySpace sketch. <laughs> All I'm saying is, they serve their purpose. The the, the platform. The platform. <laughs> All I'm saying is the 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 social media platforms. They serve their purpose. Okay. okay. Those each one each. <laughs> okay. Uh, I got a date out of one each. That's cool. I need you to send me um, a Twitter. Uh, uh, I don't know how Twitter works. A, a Twitter message Twitter asking DM. me on a date. Do it. Okay. You want to go to the pay-per-view with me? Yes. You will? Yes. All Elite Wrestling's pay-per-view? No. <laughs> Let's go watch that new movie that came out in theaters. Okay. <laughs> okay. And uh, speaking of this date, um, it's a wrench is thrown in. Yes. By Goofy's father. A monkey by, wrench. By, monkey, a by go- Max's father. By <laughs> Goofy was my father. By the goof himself. Fishing? We're going fishing? Yup, just like my dad and me did. Two best buddies fishing on Lake Destiny. Away from it all. I don't want to be away from it all, Dad. I like it all. Hey, look, Maxie, we're using the same map me and my dad used. We'll take the same route and make the same stops and see the same sights. Uh. But that trip would take weeks, Dad. Exactly. Getting there's half the fun. And here's where we run into some issues. We're like, the main problem with this relationship, this father-son relationship, is communication. Yep. There's no communication with his father and son. Nope. Because Goofy, he's he's doing this to try and get Max on the straight and narrow because he thinks Max is the troublemaker. Mm-hmm. He's caused a riot at school. Yeah. Doing his big charade uh or you know his big performance yeah you know stuff like that so he he didn't even ask max about it like i heard hey i heard you got in trouble at school today yeah talk about it that doesn't happen no conversation doesn't happen he just says we're going fishing it's very high-handed and then max fathers are people too (laughs) fathers are people (laughs) max doesn't say hey dad i just are just 
scheduled a date with this girl I really like. This is the first date ever. Can when, we not? <laughs> when is this fishing trip? Can we put it off? What's the deal? Like, yeah. Nothing. No. Nope. And I'm like, come on. No. So because there's no communication and dad's the boss. <laughs> they go anyway. Yep. But not before they stop by Roxanne's house and Max does uh the does, un- an, does an Aladdin. He pulls an Aladdin. He tells a big old lie. And uh, yeah, this will be our last point about being a teenager before moving on to <laughs> the road trip. You see, my dad's on this stupid father-son kick. And- well, don't worry about it, Max. It's just a dumb party. No, it's not. It- Roxanne, I really wanted to go with you. I- no, I- Max, I understand. But my dad really, surprised okay. me. I don't These even want to go, but I have no I'm choice. I'm sure I can find someone else. Someone else? I'll just talk to you later. Um, uh, Roxanne, uh, my dad is, uh, my dad's taking me to the Powerline concert in L.A. He then proceeds to tell her not only are they going to the Powerline concert in L.A., he says, my dad is friends with Powerline, and we're going to dance with him on stage. That's just a kind of believable lie. No, it's not. (laughs) Uh, PSA, don't don't start a relationship with a lie. Nope. It's bad news. I feel like we've said that more than once on this podcast. We 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 mean it. We definitely mean it. But as a young person, I, you know... I guess I relate. I've told lies. I've started relationships based on lies. Mm-hmm. Um, I've li- I've lied about things my dad like things. I've lied about my dad to make him seem cooler. Like I, I remember as a little kid, like I'm like I was like nine or something. Oof. I remember I lied to my friends and said, "Yeah, my dad, he owns a holographic Charizard Pokemon card." Wow. <laughs> Wow, if they weren't so expensive, I would buy one and give it to him and he'd be so confused. No, but then my dad, like, that came, I was like, hey, dad, can you, like, tell my friends that you have this? And he's just like, no. <laughs> never. Like, I, he, he sat me down. He, he told me right from wrong. He said, never, ever lie to your friends, especially about me. <laughs> so I was like, that's a good lesson. Yeah. So, but yeah, you know, Max, this happens. Yeah. What Max did, it happens when you're a dumb teenager, a dumb kid. Yeah, you just want to impress the people that you are around or the people you want to impress. And you do you do a dumb. You let your mouth open and say say false things. And luckily the movie sets it up as this is a wrong thing that he's done. Yes. And it's something he needs to overcome by the end of the film. Yeah. Let's get to the road trip. On the road right now. I want to be on the road right now. Set for adventure, Maxie. Why are you doing this to me, Dad? Because I don't want you to end up in the electric chair. Electric chair? What are you... I'm not giving up on you, son. Together, we're going to work this out. Work this out? But, Dad... No buts about it, Maxie boy. Your old pop knows best. But... That was Goofy's attempt at parenting. Yeah, I was like, he tried. I was trying to think about it. Like, he... But it's the not listening. Yes. It's the like putting your own understanding and expectations on a pr- not allowing them to speak. Yeah. Uh, so that transitions into our next topic here, which is the father son relationship slash parenting, I guess. You know, mm-hmm. the theme of parenthood in a goofy movie, you know. Yeah. Or, or just, you know, the, the father-son relationship. Yeah. Because that's the core of the film. That's the emotional the core. core. Yeah. Sorry, I don't know why I did that. And I think it was throughout the entire movie, like, that's the that's it. Yeah. That's what the movie presents. And yeah, there are some wacky antics. They run into Bigfoot on the road. They um, eat soup. Eat 
eat soup. They go to uh, roadside attractions. Just all the things that you would expect. Eat at diners and stuff like that. Yeah, Stay yeah, at a, gross motels. It's a, it's a normal road movie, but the core of the film is the relationship between Goofy and his son, Max. And um, I have a lot of clips to like lay out that relationship. Like, How well do you think the movie did at like presenting that father-son relationship? Do you think it was developed well? Yeah, I get. I mean, it's passable. It's it was fine. I think it did a fine job, but I also think that it didn't. Like the run time was pretty short. So yeah, this movie is and, a swift seventy minutes long. Yeah, and they were doing a lot to like they they paid a lot more attention to the antics than anything else. So I don't think there were like there were like moments where it was like, and this is about the relationship, but it was like more time was given to the other stuff. Yeah. Um. One one scene like early in the movie that like I I. I felt like it was very uh, relatable for me was after they stop at a roadside attraction that Goofy wants to do. Cause that's, I think that's another failing on Goofy's part is like, he's like, we're going to retrace all of the stops that me and my dad did when yeah. we went on a road trip. And like, there's even a clip where he's got a, he's got a video, uh, a camcorder mm -hmm. and he's like filming. He's like, we're here retracing the steps of my childhood, you know? And it's mm -hmm. like, almost like, Yes, Goofy's doing this to try and connect with his son, but at the same time, it's like Goofy is just trying to relive his own past. Yeah. Um, so it's almost self-serving in some ways. Yeah. And I think that's something that Goofy has to overcome by the yeah. end of the movie as well. But they stop at this like trashy roadside attraction called... Uh, Possum World? Uh, Percy's Possum Pals or something, something like that. Something like yeah. that. Uh, who's your favorite possum? Not you. <laughs> And it's just this, it's like a, imagine Chuck E. Cheese, but worse. But not quite Five Nights. It's like, imagine, imagine Chuck E. Cheese, but worse, and in the swamps of Louisiana. Oh, yeah. The swamps of Florida. It was probably very dank and muggy. Muggy. Anyway, they, and it, and it's like clearly not something Max wants to do, mm -hmm. and he's miserable, which... Yeah. I've gone on family trips as a teenager and I have been miserable. Yeah. Because that happens sometimes, especially like, I feel like when you get old enough, like you need to like, you need to have your space. Mm -hmm. But when you're on a family vacation, you are beholden to your parents. Yeah. They're the ones paying for it. They're not going to pay for, you know, like freedom. An extra room. Yeah. An extra room. They're mm -hmm. not going to, they're not going to. You're gonna... not allowed to wander in this place that is not our home. Right. Especially yeah, uh, stuff like that. So there's. A l very little freedom on a family trip. Right. So Max is just seething and he hates it. And he's miserable and he's not having any fun. And then the minute Goofy like embarrasses him is like he, he cracks. Yeah. And he tries to hitchhike home. Yeah. Hey, what the heck are you trying to do? Trying to get away from you. Me? What'd I do? Forget it. I thought we was having fun. What's the matter? Nothing. Let's just go. Come on! You don't talk to your you don't talk to your father that way, kid. Dads are people too. <laughs> Fathers are people. <laughs> I'm just saying, my kid talked to me that way. I give him backhand. Maybe not the teenager. <laughs> I'm just saying, you got to give him a stern talking to. Maybe not the teenager. That means the toddler. <laughs> no, you do. You do get. A, you do get a talking to. Like basically, he was like, "Come on!" And I was like, "Oh, we can stand here in the ring. I can unlock just my side until you find the good manners that I definitely raised you." Yeah, with. yeah, yeah. So Max, Max was in the wrong there. I understand that he was frustrated. I could get why he was frustrated, but also he had the moment to like, "What did I do? I thought we were having fun. You were having fun." 
this is not what I like. This is not, you I don't want to do this. You don't know anything about me, Dad. I've, I said before we even went in there, I didn't want to do it. You say, give it a try. Tried it. Don't like it. Uh, you know, like how easy that would have been. But instead he goes, forget it. Open the door. And I'm like, okay, look, no. <laughs> yeah. It's like goofy. There's a time for, for, you know, being gentle and, and, you know, trying to work this out. And then there's a time where you got to be a little bit forceful. Yeah. Got to give you some authority. Yeah. But I think it feels hard because he's technically, he's been using like gentle force this whole time. Nope. We're going on a trip. Like, oh, okay. Like I don't really have a choice, I guess, you know? Like, eh. though, I think it's interesting. He could have been like, I'm going to stay with PJ. Bye. Nah, dog. Wouldn't have worked. Well, they're, they went on vacation, too. Yeah. Speaking of PJ, his father, Pete, played by the same characters from the uh, the Goof Troop show, Pete mm -hmm. and PJ, they're in the movie. And they also go on vacation and they cross paths with the Goofs a few times. Yeah. And Pete is interesting because he presents a different side of parenting that Goofy, it's there to be like a foil, a foil to Goofy. So this is early in the movie there. Mm -hmm. He's talking, Pete and Goofy are talking at their place of employ. <laughs> they work at Walmart. <laughs> it is a Walmart. I don't care what nobody says. <laughs> Why, PJ, he's been begging me to take him on vacation this summer. Really? Where are you going? Camping. Nothing like the great outdoors to strengthen the bond between a father and a son. <laughs> Oh, Max would never go for anything like that. I don't know, Goof. Gimme, gimme, gimme! Something's wrong when a kid won't spend time with his parents. Well, for all you know, he's running around with some gang and stealing stuff and causing riots. And <laughs> that, that whole clip, like, Pete is trying to settle down a little girl so they could take her picture because Goofy works at the Walmart photography yeah. gallery or whatever. But yeah, Pete, Pete's there to basically, like, give goofy ideas on how to be a good parent. You yeah. Know? So it's like, so, you know, like I get that dads do that. Yeah. Talk, everyone does that. Talk shop. You know. Yeah. I feel like it doesn't matter. Like any kind of time you're in any kind of a relationship. Like I talk about like how to be a good, like wife and friend to you with my friends that are also wives, you know? Yeah. So I, I like, that's definitely a very natural thing to do, but you got to know when someone's giving you like bad advice, you can't just be that naive goof. Like, and Goofy's naive. Yeah. That's the problem. Um, but then, you know, so they they cross paths out in the wilderness. Like, they're they're out camping by a lake. And uh, it's not the lake where <laughs> it takes soup takes place. No, but it's also not the lake that they are trying to get at their final destination. Lake Destiny, Destiny Idaho. Yeah. Oh, uh, so, it's, yeah, they just cross paths. And Pete explains his philosophy on parenting. So tell me, Goof. Is that kid of yours still giving you guff? I don't know what's wrong. Just seems like everything I try only drives Max further away. Maybe I ought to just back off. I don't know. Wrong, Goof. Look, if you keep them under your thumb, they'll never end up in the gutter. Yes, they are bowling in the wilderness. It's yeah. Ha it's happening on a giant RV. Because they are glamping. <laughs> glamping. Um, and so, you know, this is, Goofy's not down with that. Like for Goofy, like to keep your kid under your thumb is not. It's not his style. It's not his parenting technique. Right. But Pete's there to show like, no, 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 it works. I've got my. Child on a leash. Right. An invisible leash. He, you know, it's like I, uh, he, he, 
he like orders PJ around like like a not a slave but like a a servant yeah an indentured like, he's like a drill instructor almost like a yeah. like a young soldier like get down there soldier yeah why don't you two stay for dinner cool oh no thanks Pete uh, Max and I have some fish to catch oh, Dad we can do that tomorrow. So, uh, what are we having? But Max, I thought... <coughs> you're some goof. Maximilian. What? Get your gear, little man. We're going fishing. And I mean now. That's Goofy trying the Pete yeah. approach to things. And I feel like that that's the right amount of authority that Goofy's showing there. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's a middle ground. Yeah. There's a happy medium. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it's like, I, I, though I do think that like, it does have to come with communication, right? Like, yeah, yeah. where I think this works because it's just like, yeah, I guess technically you got what you wanted, but like, you're, you're not going to be able to continually do that with Max. Pete, PJ has been raised like this for all of his life. Therefore he is conditioned to respond in this way. That is not what this child that you raised with love and kindness is going to do right now. He's going to do it because he respects you enough. Like maybe he's embarrassed by you and stuff, but he respects him enough to just like fine, like, and do it. But with an attitude, he feels safe enough to be able to express his opinion, his, his feelings about it. He just got too many hormones in his brain (laughs) telling it to be bad. Uh, But what, what does, max respond to like what what works in this movie um quality time i think i think commu- like to me it's communi- definitely communication yeah quality time for sure and there's plenty of that communication yeah when they open up and get vulnerable each other that's when max starts to realize oh yeah i've been a huge jerk yeah and goofy realizes like oh i really miss my young boy yeah and i've been inconsiderate <laughs> what's so funny <laughs> Hi, Dad Soup. Huh? Don't tell me you don't remember Hi, Dad Soup. Oh, come on. Sure you do. You used to spell things out using the letters, like, uh, Hi, Dad, or Maxie, or... Ambidextrous? Yeah, that's... Oh, little words, like, uh... Hasta la vista? Like, bye-bye. Or, I pledge allegiance. (laughs) Or, I love you. That's when he gets sad and realizes my son doesn't say I love you to me anymore. Yeah, that's fair. That's not vocalized, but that's probably exactly what he's thinking. It's like, when was the last time? It's like the voice acting and the animation do a great job of expressing that scene right there. And then you see Max, like, internalize it. He's like, oh, wow, I think I've hurt my dad. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. And I feel like this this evening into the next morning is where they have the turning point where they start to realize, okay, we both need to change a little bit. Yeah. Um, Gotta give a little bit. (laughs) But isn't it also this night that Max does a dirty deed? Dunder cheap. <laughs> yeah, he changed. He in order to live out his lie to uh, Roxanne, he s- changes the route on the map to take them not to Lake Destiny, Idaho, but to Los Angeles, California. Oh, oh, oh! But. He he immediately regrets the decision, and you know he's 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 wrestling it with it the whole movie, and of course yeah. that's where the emotional climax comes when he has to come clean, and there's a fight and all that stuff. But right. before that, Goofy I feel like makes a really smart decision here, and I think this shows the 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 difference between Goofy's approach and Pete's approach mm-hmm. to parenting. Goofy announces that he's going to let he's going to trust Max enough to 
be the official navigator on the road. Right. Mike's, I think we need to talk about this. Huh? Seems to me you need to start taking some responsibility around here. Excuse me, uh, can I have your attention, please? So embarrassing. <clears throat> I, yes. Goofy, hereby dub my son, Maximilian, official navigator and head witch of this here road trip. Isn't that nice? If I was in that diner, I'd be like, sit down. <laughs> so yeah, I'm like, okay, yeah, that's incredibly embarrassing, and I wish he hadn't done it that way. But mm -hmm. I do appreciate the gesture because I feel like that's something that you know, probably Max responds to it. It's like, hey, I trust you, son, enough to, like, make your own decisions. Yeah. Help, like, this is as much your trip as it is mine. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, there's a scene later on uh, where Goofy and Pete, they've once again crossed paths and they're talking. And, like, Pete's like, Goofy says, like, oh, I found my own way to parent. You know, like, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, give, I, I give him a little bit of uh, authority, a little bit of responsibility. I trust him a little bit more. And, Pete's like, I don't know about that. He's going to take advantage of you, Goofy. And Goofy says, you don't know my son. My son loves me. And Pete, I love this line. He looks at Goofy and says, my son respects me. Oh. And I was like, ooh, I like that. Uh. So it's like that. That's the, you know, the two dads right there. Yeah. Did, would you say PJ respects him or fears him? Yeah, that one. <laughs> But I feel like that's something that all dads have to wrestle with. You yeah. Know? It's like, do you, does your son love you or does he respect you? You can have both. I know. I know you can. But I feel like sometimes it's it's too black and white in people's minds. Mm, yeah. So I think, I think this movie has a lot of interesting things to say. Yeah. It's just done in a short 70-minute Disney movie <laughs> cartoon. But it's still fun. Yeah, it's fun. It's, like, a, it's, a, it's a ride. I think I think the the theme of fatherhood is done pretty well. Yeah, I think it's good that they show two different like si like parenting parents and two very vastly different characters, even in the kids to just kind of see like yeah, there it takes all kinds, it takes all kinds. And uh, the last thing I want to talk about is the road movie aspect of a goofy movie. From this point forward, when Max is given the map and is told. Hey, all of the stops on the way, they're your decision, son. Let's do what you have fun. There's a huge, fun, amazing montage where <laughs> they just do all fun, crazy fun things out on um, the road. The road. Seriously? Well, I'm not even looking at the map anymore. As a matter of fact, you can pick all the stops from here to Lake Destiny. Trust you wholeheartedly, son. To the open road. To the open road. So, something I really appreciate this movie, and it might be because I grew up watching it, there's a lot of nostalgia, but like, the road, the road trip aspects of this movie offer some kind of weird wish fulfillment for me, okay? Like, on their road trip, they go jet skiing, they go to a baseball game, they go to a monster truck rally, they just go to weird, random places, even places that like, Max thinks Goofy would enjoy, like... Oh yeah, we'll go to the big house of yarn. Yeah. We'll go we'll go take pictures of bats in a cave. No. Yeah, don't do that. That's how COVID started. <laughs> um, but I think like me personally, if I had all of the time and resources, right? Money was no issue. I would love to go on a big fancy road trip and just like 
not have a plan. It's just like point A to point B. And just like if something looks interesting on the side of the road, stop and explore it. Yeah, that seems like something that you would enjoy. And you would. Nope. <laughs> not even a little bit. <laughs> and that's unfortunate. Uh, what, what are we going to do? I guess you're just going to have to take a guy's road trip. Take my dad. Yeah. It's like, dad, you got all the money. Let's do <laughs> I'm not going to do that. <laughs> My, this is what my parents are doing right now. They, That's they, true. Reti- they got the retired life right there. But yeah. just going. I feel like you got, you wouldn't be able to do that. You, you and your dad both get car sick if you don't drive. You'd have to yeah. like, take two separate cars. Oh, gosh. He'd take the motorcycle. I'd take the, the car. Yeah. Like, we just meet whenever one of us wants to stop. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so like I, I really appreciate this movie, especially how much fun the road trip is at that point in time. It's mm-hmm. just like random, like kitschy stuff that I know in real life wouldn't be as fun, right? I don't think a road trip, like, I'd get real tired yeah, of would. a road trip real quick. Yes, you would. But it's, st- like, the movie makes it seem like so much fun. Yeah, watching the movie, when they go to that motel, you're like, I'd love to stay here. And I was like, no, no, absolutely not. Oh, check out the bed. Check out the dresser. Coral. Nice lamp. Classy choice there, Navigator. It's a nautical-themed motel. Yeah, it's like a kitschy, mermaid-themed hotel. with Waterbeds. Waterbeds, shag carpeting. And I'm like, yes, in reality, I would not want to sleep in this hotel. I mean, knowing, like, the the aesthetic is very 60s, like, 50s, you know, Route Mm -hmm. 66-style motel on the side of the road, right? And, like... Knowing like how old that would be now, right? If I yeah. if I stayed in a hotel built in the sixties, it would smell like cigarettes. It would just be gross. Like the shag carpet would be destroyed. Yeah. Like it would not be a pleasant motel experience. No. But the ideal of it is appealing. It re- not the reality. It reminds me of when we were up at Joshua Tree and you were like, There's a lot of motels out here. That'd be cool. Look at that one. That one's definitely got 70 stuff. That'd be so cool to stay in. I was like, you can stay by yourself. It's it's all about the ideal. Yeah. That's that's the problem. It's like th- there is a there is an element of the road trip. It, like, you know, the old style like road mm. trip, like, you know, your Route 60 sticks kind of thing. It just doesn't exist anymore. The yeah. ideal exists, but it's not a reality anymore. You can't yeah. grab it anymore. It's too gross. Yeah. And it I- smells like cigarette smoke. I'm too much of a realist to like, mm-mm. I mean, if you're going to cr- travel cross country, you need to do it in like an RV or a van, like van life van. Um, well, Pete's got it right. He's got an RV. He's got the most expensive RV of all time. Yes. Max! Hey! hey. Whoa! Small wilderness, dude! Didn't expect to run into you. <laughs> Apparently not. You're just jealous, man, because you ain't got the moves. Yeah, you can keep the moves. But I wouldn't mind having this RV. Oh, you are so lucky, man. Pete's RV has every gizmo known to man. Yeah. It's just a traveling home. I mean, that's what an RV is, but it it really is. It was like two pools, a jacuzzi, a bowling alley up top. Two stories inside. Basketball court. Um, and then inside there's like a giant stereo and a pool table. Yeah. And, and it's like two stories high. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that would be also cool to just stay in basically a, a, I would assume a multi thousand dollar home, but with wheels on it. Yeah. 
Easily, easily $500,000 for a, that A yeah, million dollar RV yeah. that you just stay in. But, you know, you go out to the lake, you see nature for a while, and then you get bored. You wipe your feet on the, the, <laughs> the welcome mat and you go inside. And take a shower. Yeah. Yep. Again, wish fulfillment. Yeah. This movie is full of wish fulfillment for me. Something I will never have. It's like I'll never travel in the way these men do and, and enjoy myself. That's true. I but think- I can live vicariously through Goofy and Max and have, and have their fun. They yeah. can have their fun and I can have it while sitting on my couch at home. <laughs> and I think that's mostly the reason why I like, couldn't... Like, we've, we've done road trips before, but it's like we are in the car eight hours. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, for our honeymoon and different things like that. But I like know who you are and you're going to get so irritated by... So it's just like, no, nah, that doesn't sound like fun for either of us. Ah. And it's unfortunate. Yeah. It's like you can't have that. Like, I, I feel like the realities of a road trip, you can't have that fun. Okay, but what if we did this? What if we like worked with a bunch of our friends and then like made each of our houses the living the front room was like a different like uh place to to visit and then we would just like go from house to house and we'd just be like oh now in, we're at this, and this yeah in town it'd be like a road trip and there'd be somebody putting on a puppet show and we'd be like yeah puppets and then in a different one it would like eat bad food like we wouldn't be sick from it but it just would be like oh this is terrible diner food but it's like made by one of our friends um yeah, if you can make it work, I, I, it, it sounds like I would end up being like Max at the Possum Show. <laughs> um, When's your birthday? I can make this happen. Oh no, no, I get it. I get it. Like you were so happy watching this, you're just like, look how cool that is, and there's nothing wrong with that, as so, long as you don't, you know, lie to your your tripmate partner about where you need to go. You're right, but uh, that is, I think that's where we're gonna leave it with a Goofy movie. I think. If you have seen it, you know where it goes. And if you haven't seen it, you probably could. You should, I think. Yeah. Would you recommend a movie? Yeah, you totally could watch it. Oh um, yeah, it's it's on Disney Plus. It's free, mm-hmm. and it's and it's in it's in HD. Yeah. Watch it. Watch uh, it. I, I definitely recommend it. I think um, I think it's I think it's pretty good. I think it's like it's not perfect. No. It's not the greatest movie ever made. It's definitely not like up there with like Disney animated classics or whatever. But I think it's a really fun, good '90s movie with a lot of good fun stuff in it. Yeah, give it a give it a give it a good old gaggle with your eyes. <laughs> what? <laughs> give it a goggle that gaggle. Giggle it, giggle it with your eye tubes. Look at it with your your face. <laughs> Jess is tired. No, I'm not. Okay, and that is my it. name's not Jess. It's Vinny's strong hand. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, how did a goofy movie do? Goofy movie earned a worldwide gross of thirty-seven point six million dollars during this run. Though enough to be considered a success, its entire theatrical box office take, for comparison's sake, was equivalent to just the opening weekend of Pocahontas, which Disney released a few months later. Wow. So yeah, it's like, it did enough to make its money back, but it was not a Disney-scale success. Yeah, should have stayed a TV movie. Yeah, uh, the film received mixed reception from critics. Empire Magazine, for example, said, quote, Harmless enough day in the sun for Goofy. Pity there's an overwhelming feeling throughout that he deserves better. Uh, Goofy? Yeah. Mm. Like the character, I guess. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the, the character of Goofy that's lived on for you know decades. Papas are people too. <laughs> um, the New York Times said, quote, The film is too rambling and emotionally diffuse for the title character to come fully alive. So it's like maybe they think that Goofy isn't the right character for this emotional story. What does emotionally diffuse mean? No. Meh. And the Austin Chronicle said, quote, It is bland, a barely television-length cartoon stretched out to a full feature and not much fun. 
I mean, that's fair. Wow. It is but short. But it's got good music. Half, it's got half good music. It's got half good music. <laughs> Uh, however, a Goofy movie was nominated for Best Animated Feature, Best Production Design, Best Storytelling, Best Music, and Best Animation at the Annie Awards. Oh, Annie? It's like for kids entertainment. Ah. Uh, yes. Annie, Annie. And despite its lukewarm box office return and, crit- and critical reception, a Goofy movie was reportedly a huge hit on home video, mm. which helped the film live on as a cult classic al- among millennials. What's a millennial? It's what we are. All right, and the legacy of a Goofy movie. There's actually quite a bit. Oh, okay. Yeah, a direct-to-video sequel to a Goofy movie titled... Goofy College. An extremely Goofy movie. That's what I said. Which is a horrible title. (laughs) Um, Was released on DVD and VHS in the year 2000. Um, I've seen it once. Is he in, like, a disco outfit on the cover? Yes. There's... It's it's really weird. It's like Max is into, like, X games. Right. Like, extreme sports. And, and Gooch and he's in college and Goofy is like date like dating a, a a girl a lady yes and they have hardcore 70s nostalgia <laughs> I'm too tired of you to pause like that hardcore 70s nostalgia and they have like 70s nostalgia so they dress up in afros and you know disco wear and go out to the discotheque Cool. <laughs> Are you going to cut that? Okay. Uh, thanks in large part to millennial nostalgia for the film, Disney has continued to release Goofy Movie branded merchandise over the past two decades. There are a lot of like graphic tees I've seen at Walmarts and Kohl's and JCPenney's. No more graphic. Just, just has <laughs> lost her mind. Focus. <laughs> in 2015, a tw- <laughs> Are you drunk? Yes. <laughs> uh, I need to go lay down. <laughs> in 2015, a 20th anniversary reunion for the film was held at the D23 Expo, which featured live appearances by Bill Farmer, Jason Marston, Jim Cummings, Rob Paulson, Jenna Van Oy, and producer Don Hahn. Video appearances by Wallace Shawn, Pauly Shore, and director Kevin Lima, and musical performances from Farmer, Marsden, and Tevin Campbell. Hey. Powerline himself. Uh, while the panel was not expected to be one of the largest panels at D23, it ended up being the largest attended, with around 1,000 fans attending, forcing the expo to turn away, some due to lack of seating. Wow. So, I think that opened Disney's eyes to, oh wow, goofy movie? Kids remember it. <laughs> Um, in 2018, a one-week event titled Disney Fan Days was opened in Disneyland Paris, featuring several dedicated performances paying tribute to Disney franchises. Among these was Max Live, getting goofy with it. No, 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 no. Which featured Max Goof performing songs from a Goofy movie. Okay. Ew. Powerline songs? I don't know. Because if not, uh, maybe they sound better in French. Who knows? In 2019, singer... Uche? Uche? I don't know. I'm not looking at the notes. U-C-H-E with an ascente. Uche. Uchi. Uchi. Uchi man. Because it's like Soshi. If you know Uchi, let us know. Uh, That person performed eye to eye during the top 10 Disney night of American Idol's 17th season. Oh. So it was an American Idol song. Oh, cool. Performance. 
According to Frank... We should put that on Twitter. Yeah. According to Frank Agones, Angones, co-producer of the 2017 DuckTales series, a Goofy movie was a strong influence during early development of that show, particularly on its version of Donald Duck, as the creators, quote, wanted the show to do the, do for Donald what a Goofy movie did for Goofy. Uncles are people as well. <laughs> Uncles are people. <laughs> <laughs> The series itself featured several references to the film, including appearances of the song Stand Out, Lester's Possum Park. Lester, that's my favorite possum. Ah. And pictures of Goofy Max and Roxanne. And a Goofy movie continues to inspire countless fan creations online, including including music videos, YouTube tributes, and TikTok trends. There are tic- what? There are TikTok dances based on Goofy movie. Like Powerline? I don't know. I mean, that'd be interesting. I'm just going by what the internet told me. I'm going to Google it. All right. And that is a goofy movie. Woo! So who won this this long show of 1995? It's very long. I'm very sleepy. I don't want to fight. My show won. No, it's a goofy movie. No, it was my show. <laughs> That's incorrect. No, I don't want to fight. It was my show. It was my movie. It was my movie. It was my movie. Your movie? No. It's my <laughs> Which one the better father? That's the question. Goofy had the, Goofy was the better father. It was my movie. <laughs> I won. Are we throwing this to Twitter? I mean, we usually throw it. Are, to are we are we cutting this star in half for freaking It Takes Two? Are we cutting yeah. it in half like it's, the twins? We're, are we cutting it in half for Goofy? I guess we're doing that. Yes, we are. Oh my gosh, it's a tie. Yes, it's horrible. Settle yeah. the settle the score on Twitter and on Instagram. Watch both Show. movies. I understand that you you millennials out there have seen Goof Troop a bunch. Goof movie, you've seen it, and you probably haven't seen it. Takes two, with its phenomenal child actors. Watch it, and then vote. Watch it, and then vote. I said, help, help us settle the score. Um, but with that, I think it's plugs time, right? Uh, sure. We can skip uh, runners up. Oh, runners up. Let's do it. No, no plugs. No runners up. No, no, no. We already skipped it. <laughs> we, already, we don't do it this week. Nope, no, you gotta tell us to run us up. Okay, so if we had not been watching a goofy movie, we for you would have been watching Goldeneye. The James Bond's Goldeneye? Yes. Inspiring the video game of the same name for the Nintendo 64? I'm really glad that we only end up having to watch one Bond movie. I really Spoilers. dislike... <laughs> I really dislike Bond movies. Uh, Goldeneye's like the best Pierce Brosnan one. Mm, haven't the seen Pierce it. Brosnan movies are pretty terrible. Mm-mm. Goldeneye's all right. Why did you watch it so much for it to be an I didn't watch it that much. I, I think like Goofy movies just up and away my thing with this. I guess maybe there just weren't a lot of runners up. The next runner up is Pocahontas. That's a Disney movie. Yeah. <laughs> I had that one on VHS too. That one, yeah, that one. That one. But that, it was about a girl <laughs> and I, stuff. I guess. Uh, yeah. Go- Goofy movie was definitely like in the rotation more. Um, I remember getting Pocahontas for my birthday in 1996. Oh. on VHS. That's nice. Yep. Birthday present. Is that it? I mean, yeah, for you? Yeah. What are your runners up? Uh, My runners up, if we didn't watch uh, the art film that was It Takes Two, (laughs) we would have watched the Magnus Opum that was Hackers. Hack the planet! (laughs) (laughs) You've never seen it. I haven't. I just know the clips. It's... Not good, but know, it is I, wonderful. I, I imagine um, with a young Angelina, young everyone. <laughs> um, and if we weren't watching that, we would have watched Indian in a Cupboard. Which oh man, I don't think 
I, re- I have I have nostalgia for that movie, but I don't think I ever watched the whole thing start to finish. Yeah, I did a couple of times, but I and I still quote something from this movie all the time, um, which is like he's yelling at his bag, like because the the things are in it and his bag's about to get complicated confiscated by a teacher, and he's like, "It's just plastic. They're plastic, plastic." He's screaming it at the bag, and the teacher's just like, "Okay," and opens it, and the you think Dull they could have made? Person. You think they could have made a movie called Indian in the Carpet today? No, absolutely not. Yeah. Even saying it, I was like, "Can I not call it that?" But that's the name of it. I mean, between Pocahontas Native and Am- Indian in a Cupboard, <laughs> which was the most was there offensive. a Native American craze in the nineteen ninety five? What is this? Native <laughs> American in the wardrobe. It was either that, and then Golden Hive, Golden Eye versus Hackers, which is basically just stealing stuff. I don't know what. Goldeneye is about a giant laser in the sky. Satellite uh, laser. Hackers is about hacking into a laser. Okay. I think. Or bank. I don't Na- remember. Native American lasers and fatherhood. 1995. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so those were those were all of our, our runners up. Nice. Was it nice? I think so. Okay. That, that, that's, it's a time. I feel like all those movies, in a, in a, it's definitely a time capsule. All of those. Yeah. Uh, okay. So um, plugs. You can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at Media Mate Show. Mm-hmm. At Media Mate Show. As, 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 before we will, as we've said before, there will be a poll for, so you can vote on which movie you thought was best. It Takes Two or It a Takes movie. Two. <laughs> no. And uh, we also share fun things like videos and pictures and images and all that good mm-hmm. stuff. Tell us what you thought about these movies. Tell us what you thought about the show. Yeah. I'd love to read a comment, comment or two about your thought processes. Of the shows, or you know, if you just want to chime in on something in our conversation that you feel like we missed, yeah, I mean, there's there's plenty more about these movies that we haven't talked about. Yeah, um, you you can uh, do us some favors. You can subscribe to our show on your podcast platform of choice, your iTunes, your Google's. Your we're on. Hey, we're on Amazon now. Oh, yeah. So if you prefer to listen to your podcast on Amazon, we're there now. Jeff Bezos. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Bezos, he went to space, and now he has us on his podcast show. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, and then, you know, you can leave us comments. Leave us a five-star review. Please. If, if that is something that's on your podcast platform of choice, let us know what you think about the show. Um, as for me personally, you can follow me on Twitter at RobTheMaster. That's RobTheMaster. Um, I write for a video game website called ZeldaDungeon.net. It is a website all about the video game series, The Legend of Zelda. Um, I also host a wrestling show on YouTube called Keep Kayfabe. That's K-A-Y-F-A-B-E, where we explore the careers and characters of our favorite wrestlers. So mm-hmm. if you like 90s WCW, we got you covered. <laughs> um, You can find me on YouTube. I have not been uploading anything lately because life is hard and then you cry. So... If you want to see what I have put up months ago, uh, you can find me on YouTube as Taming Tales. All one word. No, it's two words. Taming Tales on YouTube. Yeah. So with that, we are going to close out this with with only there's there's no other song to do it but the other Powerline song. That song is called Stand Out. Yeah. It's it's so good. As we mentioned, Tevin Campbell, you are a gem. Um, and with that, I, I think that's it. So we will see you next time with our music of 1995. Woo! Night, kids. Remember, papas are people too. It's a piece of cake. <laughs> to stand out above the crowd. 
so you notice me.